Sirius 197, XM202, the virus. The Ron and Fez show starts right now. Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. Buddies, it's the Ron and Fed show. Ron and Fed. Fads! On a... Well, this, today is Fat Tuesday. Or as we like to call it here on the Ron and Fed show, Tuesday. <laughs> every year I do that joke, and every year I feel great about it. Uh, it's time for Ichiban's. We're going to pick Fed up today. We're going to get him up and moving. Catch him back up on what's happening in the world. And if you could say to yourself, oh, I feel so bad about what Fez is doing. I wish there was some way for me. This is a way for you to help out. I don't want you to be a Kathleen from the Bronx and just like send emails but never once pick up the phone and be part of the Ichibans. I want you to jump into this. Uh, I don't want you to be a, a happy typing girl who claims she listens to all the shows. But I never hear her on the Ichibans. You got to get involved in this, and we're doing it for Fed Watley. Chris Stanley, I consider you a guy who's always been loyal to the Ron and Fez show. Never hear you calling in on the Ichibans. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here, though. Exactly. When are you going to get off the here and on the now, Mr. Zoo York? That's right, rocking the Zoo York shirt, bringing it back. I don't know whether you noticed, but that Sam is very cocky since he started doing the after show. That head of his is getting huge. Yeah. Well, just the hair. The hair is getting gigantic. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We'll get started on your Ichibans. Uh, Dan, Albany, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie. First, happy birthday to Hot Tub and Rhino. And then I got an Ichiban, a not-winning Ichiban. Charlie Sheen, fired. So fired. Charlie Sheen has been let go. He says, perfect, now I get to sue. Uh, we're also burnt, though, Charlie. The latest news is that he was at Live Nation yesterday, and he's trying to put together a tour 
a winning tour of everything that's happening out there and uh, jump upon it Canaan style. Uh, Reggie Watts called him and said, I'm in. I would love to open this thing. I can turn a fucking iPhone into an orchestra. Oh, wow. Uh, Dan, are you losing the Charlie Sheen Tiger Fever? Yeah, I actually, uh, I don't follow him anymore on Twitter. I'm already done with it. I think Friday is unfollow Charlie Sheen Day. The backlash has already started. I've been in the Emilio Estevez camp for quite some time. That motherfucker got human blood. Human blood. CBS really should do a thing where if they continue with the show, just kill off his character in uh, like the most humiliating way they can think of. Well, dead on the toilet, something. But why? I mean, I don't think it's a hate thing, right? I don't think they hate him. I think that they think that he's an ill gentleman. They brought that up a couple times that our friend Charlie may be mentally ill. Yeah, basically, his image is bad for the show, and he's all—he's just too messed up. And they have like video of him flubbing lines or whatever. That's, the, that's another report saying that he was coming to work unprepared. Uh, well, I don't think that happened though. No one ever said. That he was doing a bad job, they just start to worry about his um, health. Uh, Bob, Illinois, you're on the yeah, Ronnie, Fed show, yeah. The, the guy that hit the, that hit the duck boat in the water, the duck it's boat. It's a duck, duck boat, boat, lady. A duck boat. The people are in the water. The guy, the guy was talking on the cell phone when he hit the duck boat. Uh. Well, isn't everyone in America talking on a on a cell phone? Yeah, but you're when you're driving a tugboat, you shouldn't be making a study mate. He got made to receive twenty one calls from noon until two thirty seven p.m. But he's so. got. Yeah, but again, every cab I get into, the guy's talking to his fucking girlfriend in Arabic. Uh, yeah. People are on the phones these days. Yeah, but when you're driving a tugboat, I don't think you should be driving or uh, talking on the phone. Why? You got less chances of getting an accident on a river than you do on a fucking road. What are you going to do when you're fucking driving a tugboat? All you got to do is try not to hit the duck boat. That's it. Now, the duck boats, I think, are already out of Philly. Uh, But they're in every other city, particularly even those now that have no water. You don't even need water for a duck boat. Um, Let's go over to Robert. Robert, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, welcome back, Fezzy. Um, hey, didn't, uh, they fired Charlie Sheen based on a morality clause, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I don't know so. what they did. I I believe so. I uh, believe so. I don't and, think, uh, from what I had heard early on, they did not have any kind of clause like that in that. But I guess you could always say, um, you know, we asked them to do rehab, yeah. we're worried about them, blah, blah, blah. Everyone who acts like this... They know what's going to happen in the court. Case has never been to court before. This thing will be tied up for years, and they will settle on something. Uh, but ch- what Charlie Sheen doesn't get is just because you're on one hot show doesn't mean that you could have another hot show. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. You know, um, it's taken for years. They are just now trying to do the home improvement guy uh, to bring him back to another show. Because everyone's going to see him as the home improvement guy, and everyone's going to go, hey, where's his real wife? Why is he selling power tools? What happened to his son? Where's that neighbor that's looking over the fence? I don't get this new show. Uh, It's very rare Bob Newhart was able to do it. Mary Tyler Moore, you couldn't have been a bigger star than her 
never was able to have another hit show. Coward Burnett, we think of as one of the biggest people ever, uh, only had one hit show. It's very hard for the American public to get in their mind uh, another hit show. Let's suppose a show came on 202, and it was just called Steve and Anthony. And you would have, you know, you'd still have Ant, but then there's some guy named Steve talking to him. You're like, I don't know about this. Who's this guy, Steve? I like what was on before. And that's what happens to people. They just like what they've already seen. And what they want more of is what they've already seen. And that's why when they're talking about replacing John, uh, this Charlie Sheen, they bring up names that we've heard before. John Stamos. You like him, America. You feel safe. And they know even that is like the tiniest chance ever. But they don't think, hey, let's get a new guy and win America's hearts. No. That's too much of a gamble. What if they just changed it to... All right, the the, the kid is big now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's full grown. All right, here's my idea for the show. It stays two and a half men, but they get a new little kid. So it's those two guys out of the new adorable... See if there's a fanning boy. That's what I would be yelling if I was in fucking Hollywood. Do those fannings have a brother? If so, get his ass over here. I feel sad for that heavy set kid. He won't work again after this. He has totally grown out of any adorableness he might have had. Again, none of them are going to work after this. Like the examples I just gave. The guy from Home Improvement. It's just been walking back and forth in his house for years. Now, he's got money. That ain't the problem. But nobody wants to see him do anything else. He's in that Red Belt movie. I love that Red Belt movie. That's like the only thing he's been in since fucking Home Improvement. Well, they tried a couple. Oh, you've got a Tarzan son. And he's (laughs) done, you know, they love him in a voiceover if they don't have to see him. Um, Did you ever... um, see too many people be able to pull that off time and time again. Um, let's go over Rob. Rob, you're on fest. Hey, boy. I got an Ichiban. Ichiban? Uh, let's, let's get this party started. Well, no, I was waiting for the jingle, Ronnie. You know? Uh, yeah, uh, the event premieres last night with a two-hour... Rob, don't say anything about summer. it. I wasn't able to watch it. But I did Tavo it. And it is on my Tavo. On my to-do list. Very exciting. But, you know, they did like, like a little trailer, like a preview for it, and gave away a big fucking plot point I would like to see. Yeah, I feel like I didn't have to watch any of the previous episodes. I saw that trailer. I was like, oh, so this is what the event was. I get it now. I'm all caught up. But I could not see it last night because everybody else was bu- busy. I had a free night, but my event squad that I watch event with, they had things to do. So I'm like, well, I'll catch up on it. And I was like, no, we got to watch the event together. That's what we do. That's what we roll. That's who we are right now. I go, I'm here. I'm on the couch. Um, Don't leave Ronnie B. hanging. Yeah. Let's let's go over to Paul. Paul, you're on my Hey. Yeah. Hi, Paul James. How are you? 
All right, we're calling you Paul now for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? James, long time. Yeah, long time, buddy. Listen, you know, talking about the replacing um, actors, you know, Spin City was a hit show in the 90s with Michael J. Fox. He split. Ironically, Charlie Sheen stepped in, took over the role for two years, and actually won a Golden Globe for it. Well, the thing is, that was under a little better circumstances, but that definitely was a rare case. Remember News Radio, when they brought in somebody that last year, everybody was just freaked out, couldn't handle it. They brought in Lovitz. Now, The Office is going to try this uh, next year. Um, as a matter of fact, Steve Carell is already off the set. They are now filming the episodes without him. And that's weird when you think about it. That they didn't even wait to the end of the season with the guy. They're like, "Well, you're leaving. Why don't you leave four weeks early?" And he's like, "What?" But I'm supposed to get paid. You'll get paid. Not a fucking problem. Beat we, it. We just don't want to see your face around here. And then Carell said back to them, "Why well, don't see, want to see your face around here?" And pointed at his balls. If both shows continue, I got to give the edge to the office over Two and a Half Men, both repl- with replacements going into it. Office has got too many funny people where... Name one. Well, Creed. Seriously. (laughs) Creed gets a fucking line. I don't know if you've watched The Office this year. Not much. Too many funny people is not the problem of The Office. (laughs) This is with Carell. I mean, it's his last season. And they haven't had a good episode yet. And I'm loving the fact that... It isn't. Like, I love the fact that I have a half hour of uncomfortability every week with them. What about Toby, the HR guy? He's hysterical. Toby's actually the head writer of that show. Holy shit. Yeah. I, know so, I know he's the head writer. Don't start trying to fucking get... I am to the office with Travis is the Seinfeld. I don't back off. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866 866- Run zero fez. Um, Rob, you're on the run fez show. Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, great point about the uh, show not be uh, Bob Newhart. You brought up a great example there. I think the quickest cancellation ever when a star left a top rated sitcom was after Freddie Prinze died. I think if you remember, they replaced him with that 16 year old Spanish kid, and the show lasted about eight weeks before they pulled the hook on it. Well, see, that's one of those things is when. You know, it ends that tragically, you know, where the guy kills himself. Now do you want to go back? And I think that happens to news radio, too, that you tried to go back and enjoy it. And you're thinking, oh, God, my, you know, the guy that we liked is, uh, was murdered. Murder-suicide. Um, well, his part of it was just being murdered. He had nothing to do with the suicide part. Eight uh, is Enough was lucky because they had one of their stars die in the first season. When that the is mom, lucky. When the mom died, then when they brought in the replacement, the stepmom, Betty Buckley, they were able to get their run out of it. Now, uh, Radio Shark is using the name Steve. Yeah, this is Steve. Hey, Steve, how are TMZ you? has just reported that John Cryer was spotted by an assault rifle in a Burbank Walmart. You know, he I... also had a map of the Hollywood stars in his back pocket. I, I know look, that everyone... Look out, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie, look out. Charlie, run. Now, what was, what was that noise supposed to be? I know when everyone's acting like, John Cryer, that guy's a fucking... Look, get this through your head about John Cryer. He's made more money than everyone that you went to high school with. This is not 
you know, yeah, he probably misses a year of Giant Cash. But those things are in reruns. He's not going to be working at the fucking Walmart. But that's become the running joke. But he was just co-starring in an eight-year run. He's got Kramer money. He's fine. He's balling out. Um, he should apply for that intern position that Charlie Sheen tweeted about. We'll go back in that direction then. Then he is a bum and nothing will ever happen and he's got no money. Will be the cliche thing. But it's always really funny to me when someone acts like... Well, remember even the night that, that Kramer uh, was uh, you know, dropping the N-bomb? The thing that they were heckling him with, you're Kramer, you ain't done nothing since. That's like fucking teasing Ringo for not having a hit band since the Beatles. It's gigantic to have a hit show. It is like saying, you only hit the lottery once, you asshole. Whatever happened? What a pussy. I don't see you with any more giant checks. No, because the one giant check is still uh, working. Uh, Murray, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey, what's up, fellas? I got an uh, Ichiban piggyback. Um, uh, hold on. Has, uh, let's, do it. let's do it this way. <laughs> piggyback. Uh, Tim Allen has a gig at the Venetian right now. I just left there, as a matter of fact. I just remember seeing his face pasted everywhere, and he's got a little stand-up gig at the Venetian in, in Vegas right now. Well, I didn't know that he was doing that, but, you know, before he had a show, he was actually a pretty successful stand-up. But, obviously, you know, it's so hard to go out there and tour and shit that once you get a big house, what are you going to do? Leave? They go, oh, I'm doing Des Moines, and then I'm tying that in. With St. Louis. So people have a tendency not to do it. Some people can't stop themselves. Bill Cosby will go, will go out and, and still tour. Um, but, you know, Robin Williams will do it every seven years or something. Some of those guys just can't stop. Jerry Seinfeld feels like he has to keep on doing stand-up. Other people are like, the only reason why I did this is to get this big house. And that's it. Uh, Dan, Dan, you're on Uh Yeah, who's this? Fez guy. I, I like Ron and Ron. Well, it's a very good example. When Fez and I did that, we didn't, you know, go back to Tampa and do the show at the time. It would have weirded people out. I don't I don't think, you know, I don't know if they, uh, they, if they would have said, yes, this is great. It's really worked out for us. I mean, first of all, radio listeners are unhappy no matter what you do. If you bring in a new fucking intern, they're furious and they like the intern before. That's why we never listen to feedback. Uh, boy, it's showing the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Yeah. Let's look to Fez. Uh, Big East today starts. I want predictions from Fez and you. Well, here's the thing. Why even worry about the Big East when you got the you know March Madness stuff all coming down? Send me in Mr. Mark Zito. I want to talk a little uh, March Madness with him and about the contests that we're putting on here, which I now like to call Fire on the Mountain because uh, we're giving away the sign Bill Walton basketball. You're going to be in charge of the contest, right? Yes, I am. You've got the ESPN all lined up and ready to go, and we haven't started it. Here's where our mistake was not starting early. Rob Douglas caught me today and goes like this. Instead of running that contest, we would l- it would be better if we just push your listeners over into the serious contest where there's better prizes. 
I think our prize is, is the best. Well, the problem is... It's not Rob's idea. Yeah. It's coming above him. We really needed to start that contest before this. So I said, oh, <coughs> it's great. We'll promote both contests. And Rob goes like this. Um, let's talk about it after the show. And that's Rob's way of yelling, fuck you, you'll do what I want. But he's like way too nice for that. So he's like, let's talk this after the show. So that's where we are with it now. Um, but there will be a 202 Friends uh, contest that goes on for that basketball. But I wonder whether you'll hear about it here. Um, here is uh, Daniel. Daniel, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, what they need to do with Two and a Half Men is a reboot, like they did with The Office, right? They got rid of all that entire English cast, they rebooted it, put on all new people. What, it's run for like nine seasons now, it worked. Well, The English Office still isn't known by regular people in this uh, country. You know what I mean? Like, people in England love that show, and then they played it on BBC America, where it gets watched by maybe 100,000 people or something, you know, small like that. But a person like Hicks, who loved the British office, you hate it, the American office. Yeah, it, it just it just turned into such shit it, around season three or whatever. When it had like 40 episodes in, I guess. Well, I don't know what you're even talking about there, because I, uh, for me, I didn't even watch the first two seasons. I could not watch the American office. It took me two years before, and I think it's after they started to run some of them earlier at night, which they did way early it in ridiculous. that show. And TBS, they started banging them out. And that's what caught me on. I'm like, alright, well this isn't so bad. And then I went back and started watching the show. But I did not give them the initial break. The first episode of the first season was really weird because it was shot for shot the same exact one as the Brit- with this British first episode. Very strange. Uh, Big Fez Watley sent me with us today. How are you feeling, Fez? Um, I, t- again, it's a tough day. I'm getting there, I think. Um, good, honest answer. And I'm always, here's what I always love about Fess. You're always going to get the truth from him. You may not like it, but you're going to get the truth. Now, I'm going to give you a thing that we didn't talk about yesterday. Fez had a terrible flight coming back from uh, Florida. He got laid over in Washington, D.C., and I think he stayed there an extra 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, he goes, then uh, finally gets to JFK in the rain, goes to his house... Uh, all kinds of emergency stuff outside of his building. The Somebody had f- fallen from his building and was killed. Then Fez goes upstairs, opens up the door, sees his dad's shoes are there, immediately picks up the phone, calls me and said, this is too nuts, I'm coming over. It was just a domino effect of strangeness. So the when Fez gets back, when he has all this death stuff on his mind, boom, uh, somebody had gotten killed in his, his building. And Hicks, I'm going to tell you this story so maybe you'll wake up. Young gentleman, 21 years old, went off the 15th floor of Fez's building. Oh. Salvia! What? High on salvia. Oh, my gosh. You didn't even know this? No. I was going to try to... Uh, we have one doorman that usually has all the details. Mm-hmm. I got home last night. I was going to ask about more details. The family was in the lobby just sobbing. So you c- I couldn't even check on it. You should have just... The way you're feeling, you should have just joined them and started 
uh, crying along with them because you would have felt it immediately. Um, Salvia, weirdness on Salvia ran off the fucking balcony. So, Miley Cyrus, maybe it's not such a funny joke. Now, I have a fucking thing. I always tell the kids out there when it comes to this. Yes, I know it's an illegal drug. But do Ronnie B a favor. Smoke it on the ground floor. That's how you fucking get over. You smoke that shit on the ground floor and wear a bicycle helmet. No need to be near a balcony. Um, but yeah, that is an absolutely true story. Uh, now, Fez, did you bring up the money story yesterday on the air um, about your dad's thing with money? Uh, no, no, I didn't bring that up. No. All right, Fez tells me the other day that his dad has uh, a habit of if he sees money on the ground he grabs it and puts it in the same jar never spends it builds the money up right uh and that's just something that's been a thing for him for a long time he's got a big jar of cat of money whether it's dollar bills or mainly coins right yeah mostly you know pennies and nickels just small stuff that he has seen on the sidewalk so um the day was it the day after? Or when did this happen for you? We'll tell your experience. It was the morning at he died Thursday night. It was Friday morning. Okay, what happened? So he had um, one thing he had done when he got to New York. He had spotted a dime in the subway station. Got down on all fours, reaching through the stairs just to get this dime for his collection. So then after he got sick, the day after he died, I was headed back to my apartment on the subway. I get off the train, I'm going up the escalator. At the top of the escalator waiting for me was a $5 bill. Actually, an unusual experience in New York because money on the street in New York, it's it's like trying to get a fucking ground ball past Derek Jeter. We have people, a lot of people in New York, and they scoop money very quickly. Oh, without a doubt, immediately. So for you to just find a $5 bill, had you ever seen a bill on the ground in New York before? I have never seen a bill, paper money, on the ground in New York. Now, do you see that as something spiritual or as a coincidence? I, th- I thought it was absolutely spiritual. All right, yesterday. Uh, Fez. Now, I would always say, you know, I think that we tend to look for spiritual when we want to, right? Um, where we don't pay attention until when you decide, I'm looking for a sign, you will find a sign. Now, does that mean it is really a sign or something you just want to believe? My tendency tends to be, well, you're just a little more awake when you're looking for signs. Most of the time, we're kind of sleepwalking. But we could find signs if we want to. Doesn't mean that they're actual signs. But if you get it in your head, I'm looking for a sign, you'll find one. And Fez came up with this money on the ground. And for you, that was a sign from your dad. Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, just And the fact that he had made such a spectacle of himself just days before trying to get that dime. Mm-hmm. It was that five dollar bill was just more obvious who it was from, and that he was. I just took it as you know, letting me know he's still around. Well, yesterday after the show, uh, you and I were out front, and we got into, and you were pretty upset, and I was, I was taking my stuff with you into 
tough love, where I had a very stern, Fez, you are a guy, you're a man, you know, this is a sign of adulthood, blah, 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 whatever it happened to be. And I went over certain things. But I was more direct with Fez because I'm trying to give him the, I want you to pull this together. If, you know, there's a lot of stuff at stake for you. I want you to get this. And I was uh, rough on him. And whenever you do that with Fez, no, let me change it. Whenever I do it with Fez, I always feel guilty afterwards. I feel something if I let Fez get away with stuff. I feel guilty when I put it out there. I, I'm never, Fez and I have a very strange, complicated relationship that has definitely changed over the last five years but i thought today's the day i'm gonna you know because quite frankly brought up on the air i was concerned about him drinking and driving and be and maybe thought he thought i'm going to hurt myself because i'm so upset over my dad so he and i had uh, talks about you know hey dude now that you're back here in new york if you want to be here you got to get on it you know, and I know it's tough. You'll, you know, whatever you're going to do. But if you're going to be here, you got to do it right. You got to man up. You got to do it for your dad. Blah blah blah. So now I'm walking across town, uh, smoking a cigar, and feeling like shit that I even did it. Quite frankly, I'm like, I don't know why. You know what I mean? It's like maybe that was the thing. And I'm walking down the street, and sitting in front of me. Spinning around in the wind, we high wind yesterday was a dollar bill, kind of crumpled up and blowing away. Now, I say to myself, uh, "That's funny, all right, I get it." But I'm not reaching over and picking up the dollar bill and becoming part of the "Oh, I've got a sign from your dad," right? Not going to do it because I think to myself, "I could pick up this dollar bill and give it to Fez," and I go, "I'm not going to do that because." That's not science. That's ridiculous. But I smile. I get a kick out of it. And I keep on walking. And I walk past the dollar bill. And I'm smiling, thinking, dude, if if that even was a sign, I don't know what I'm supposed to go back and tell Fez. You know? I'm saying, you know, I'm actually thinking to myself, to Fez's dad, "Eh, I don't get the sign. But, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. As I'm still smiling about that the fucking dollar bill blows down the sidewalk and goes out in front of me again and i go all right i get it sign whatever i'm still not picking it up because i don't want to go that far with superstition but i will pass the story along that's bizarre to me now does it mean anything um no of course, it doesn't mean anything. We're men of science. But I'm telling you now, a dollar bill chased me down the street to get in front of me again. So there's this story, Fez. You have it for what you want. I'll I don't, take it. It's amazing to me. I don't know if it's amazing. I really don't. Um, but I will say this. And I've always found this in life. That if you are open to seeing signs. There's signs there. Now, is it yourself just finally like kicking in and thinking here's the thing to connect the world? I've always um, played a game since I was a kid of because I've always had a lot of books. And I'll think about something. I'll think of a question or something I'm going through in my life. Go over, pick up a book and 
read you know a couple lines out of that book and find the connection and between what I've thought about and in that. Now, quite frankly, I think that we could probably our brain is a lot fucking smarter than what we use it for. So that that when you're looking for answers, you're going to find answers, right? But I've always played that game. Now the weirdness here is: was I suddenly now looking for money in the street? I don't remember doing that. But I can tell you this: in ten years of living in the city, I never saw any fucking folding money on the on the street. Neither is Fez, and now we both have. And that was his dad's thing. I am. Uh, not I'm astonished. Sit. Yeah, I. I if, and here's my point. Uh, I can't wait to tell my mother about that story. Then you definitely, you know, need to. That's where I also take it. Uh, let's go over here to Mark. Mark, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, yeah, I was just going to say that um, there's a, a very famous uh, psychic who's appeared on uh, Oprah and many of the talk shows, and her name's Rebecca Rosen. And she... Uh, agrees with Fez's interpretation of finding the $5 bill. So it's a, it's a common thing. Again, the fact that you even use the word psychic, to me, psychic means carny. But it doesn't mean that there isn't something connecting and something that our brain does that will help us, you know, solve problems i mean it's just like almost like if you're kind of um choking on something the passing out thing will actually help you open up your throat so it's actually a good thing if you pass out sometimes like if you're having some kind of a panic attack because that'll open up everything you're able to breathe better your body kind of shuts that down and moves it over i also think that you know um you are going to be able to find whatever things that you want to find in life, you know? Uh, Steve, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, good morning. Fezzy, sorry for your loss. Uh, yeah, I'm not a real superstitious guy, but uh, my wife's dad passed away when uh, she was 18. Her and I just started going out. Uh, we got married 21. No family in the area uh, where we were living. Uh, I was working for myself, uh, you know, piecemeal. My daughter was just born. You know, money was tight. And my wife had said that, uh, you know, if we had a few extra dollars, she was going to buy some new clothes for the baby. And I uh, wound up finding a $20 bill uh, folded in the kitchen sink the way uh, her dad used to fold his money. And the date 1977 on the bill, the year that he died. Uh, then she found it one other time, a $5 bill. Uh, same situation, 1977, folded the same way. So, uh, you know, very, very strange, and uh, just could never figure it out, but for what it's worth. And that's literally the way I felt about it, too. I mean, like, here's the, to me, was the funny part of the story. Um, that it even showed up, and for whatever reason, and it certainly wasn't a conscious reason, it made me feel good, and I'm like, I can't wait to tell Fez this stupid story, uh, because it's bizarre. It's a weird thing. And the fact that the wind caught it up and blew it back in front of me again, 
And I, and then the funny thing was, I'm not picking it up anyway. No matter what there is, like there was already this thing of, I get it, but I'm not playing along. Pick up my dad's dollar. I don't want to. I want to, I honestly thought to myself, it, this whole thing, whatever happens, maybe somebody picked up that dollar and was able to buy something, uh, you know, buy a hot dog with it, whatever the hell. Uh, you know, some homeless person, or maybe it meant, felt good to somebody else. Uh, Anthony, you're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, hey, Ronnie, you blew your chance. That was the dollar that Opie let go that he was going to give somebody $10,000 for. You know, uh, if that were true, then that would have been it. My head would have exploded. I, I never would have done radio again. Bob in Connecticut, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I was wondering if you could help me out. I was in the city yesterday, and I happened to drop six bucks. Anybody find it? So you say, you ball-busting bastard. Uh, Bob, you're on a Fez. Hey, buddies. Hey, Fezzy, sorry for your loss. I lost my dad back in September. Okay. Sorry for your Thanks, death. Bob. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is that uh, if if it somehow comforts you that, that your dad is somehow with you in that, in that form or in that communicating with you, whatever, then what's the harm in it, you know? There's nothing wrong with it. No, I I, I will agree with that. I'll agree with that 100%. Any, you know, and that's why I wanted to tell the story to Fez, that if there is comfort in that story, enjoy it. You know what I mean? Take it. I absolutely will. I'll take any comfort I can find right now. Yeah. There's no harm in it. But it was, if a coincidence, a really funny one. A really funny one. And I can't tell you how shitty I was feeling at the time. I'm like, part of me was like doing that, you know, thing with Fezzi, which, uh, you know, kind of buck up private. You're in the, you know, you're in the shit. This, you know, but I do, I, I, we all have concerns that you don't want to give in too much to it all, you know? And I was basically saying, this is awful, Fez, but... Boom, get back into the game, you know, as well as you possibly can. Don't let yourself slide down with it. But even after that, I felt terrible. Terrible walking across the city. And then that dollar starts to taunt me on the road. Funny as hell. Now, your dad was a religious person, right? Very, very religious. religious. In fact, his last words before they put in the respirator was, he told the doctor, he goes, I feel like I'm going to heaven. That was the last words he said. Wow. Yeah. Why did he say that? He um, was getting really short of breath, uh-huh. and he had gone into cardiac arrest, so the whole, you know, he had no blood pressure, no pulse at that moment, and he told the doctor, I feel like I'm going to heaven. The doctor shared that story with you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he told us about it. Then the other coincidence that I had, or sign, mm-hmm. was Mon- the, the Monday that I was uh, first in Florida, I had to go to the airport and pick up my aunt, and we have to drive over the bridge, the three-mile-long bridge yeah. that I hate going over, but I had to go get my aunt, and I pick her up, and I'm driving her back across the bridge, and I get the phone call from my family that my dad's body had arrived at the airport a little bit earlier, and they should... Actually, they had gotten a call from the funeral director that he was crossing the bridge with my father at the same time I was on the bridge with my aunt. It would have been a lot better if they could have just picked up your aunt. 
on the way. She was tired from the trip. She could have laid down. Well, you ride shotgun. You don't have to get back there. Uh, Eric, you're on a fez. Once, twice, lost your buddy. Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fez, you sorry about your daddy, bud. Hey, uh, uh, Ronnie, um, right around January 6th, you guys had a program, and you talked a little bit about uh, the different stresses that we all hold as men, I guess, and uh, wage earners and family, big people, and so forth. And, and you said something interesting that day, and you said, look, at all that stuff is bullshit. Uh, when you really feel stressed is when, when your health or your loved one's health has been, has been compromised. And, and I've been stressed out of work, and I took it to heart, and, and lo and behold, uh, the following Monday, I think the 10th, um, I ended up in the hospital unexpectedly with a uh, massive uh, tumor in my pulmonary artery. Wow. And um, I, was, I was in Nashville, and they had the, uh, the Cleveland Clinic flew me. They had a jet come pick me up in the middle of the night in a blizzard and flew me to, to Cleveland to have uh, my pulmonary artery resected and, and this tumor taken out. And uh, it was it was scary as hell, dude. Scary as hell saying goodbye to your to your uh, kids and all that. Yeah, sure. Goodbye to your kids and shit. And uh, and, and I actually had died for forty five minutes. I was gone. I was uh, in ice. Um, my heart stopped. They put me on bypass. And I'm thirty nine years old. Man. And and um, so coming out of it, um, it, it there's this kind of. I think I've heard you talk before about coming out of your surgery, you're getting this weird kind of drug induced kind of freaky state. And I had some really scary shit going on in my head that was. It really fucked with me, but uh, the, the weirdest thing was, as, as I kind of started to come out of the fucked up stuff, Ronnie B was talking to me about yeah. <laughs> about about not letting my you know I've been work stress stressed terribly at work and just saying look at the fucking stress ain't worth it, buddy. It's about you know going home and not being a grumpy ass with the kids and your wife. So so it, it was it was it was amazing, man. And, and uh, somehow or another, you know, in my subconscious, you were there talking to me. Well, I could be like a drug angel for people and just helping them. <laughs> Get through the weirdness of it all. Yeah, maybe so, man. Well, wow, what maybe an amazing so. story, though, that, you know, all that stuff happened to you. Now here you are making the phone call. Okay, yeah, dude, I'm going to work right now. I, I, I do chemo. Uh, I got chemo on Wednesday, but we're, dude, I'm going to beat it. There's, there's no question. I, I got to beat it. It's very rare. They're saying 10 people in the world have ever had a discharge or, or currently have this uh, sarcoma in your pulmonary artery. Wow. And, uh, and fuck it, dude, I'm going to beat it. I, I got kids to raise. I got stuff to do i got fun things to, to, to be doing and i and i you know i i, I just feel real positive about the whole thing uh, all right peace Bye. what a wild story i'm glad that uh, i think it's amazing too they could be so up about it but you know once you know once they pitch something at, like that at you and you still get your bat on the ball forget about it you feel like i can hit anybody anywhere bring it on Give me the heat. Uh, Mike, you're on manifest. Hey, guys. I, I think this whole idea that, you know what, if it, if it makes you feel good, it's not really harmful. I don't think that's right, especially for a guy like Fez, who tends to be really sensitive, who really tends to hold on to things, doesn't let stuff go, doesn't tend to move forward. You know, looking out for signs for the rest of his life to see that his father's reaching out to him isn't necessarily a healthy thing. Well, the reality would be this, Mike. His father is and everything that his father said to him any kind of these good memories are with fez all the time 
They're with him all the time. So if he can't access that and he sees it through other things, what is the problem about that? And, I mean, it's just like a song could remind us of an old girlfriend, but it isn't the song that does it. That memory is with us the whole time. Don't mix up what I'm saying. No, I'm... I think the other, the other day, Fed said that he needs to relearn the lessons that his father taught him. And I think that's right. You know, like his father sounds like a great guy. He sounds like he was a genuinely happy guy. And Fed should, you know, take that and carry that with him. But, you know, those lessons are, are lessons that his father gave him when he was living. You know, there's, there's no new lessons to be learned from his father. You know, like it, it, and there may, there may be something, there may be something through reflection. You know, but but looking at do- finding dollar bills, you know, is is not that's not the right way to be thinking. You know, this is this is a, this is a fine line between, you know, looking at superstition and then you know playing with Ouija boards. And well, first of all, you're making a you're you're the one making a, a huge leap between trying to contact the other side and Fez seeing money and that reminds him of his father and oh maybe my father wanted me to do that that's very much a part of the human experience no matter where you go in the world that people want to feel connected from the people who moved on I mean I'm not walking around stooped over with a magnifying glass looking for change anywhere I can find it this one just happened to be right in front of me well, I've also heard you say that you don't believe in God. Like, I've heard you go back and forth on this stuff so many times that, that it seems like now, in a moment of weakness, you know, you're getting pulled back in, you know? It was and, a moment of weakness where I lost any faith, too. Well, sure, but it's not really a moment of weakness that you should be making these types of big decisions. What know? big decision is there? He sees a, uh, a $5 bill and he, he scoops it up and it makes him feel good in the middle of his morning. What, what, is, the, what is the problem there? Come on, Ron. You, you know, you know, more, you know Fez pretty well to know that you know, this type of thinking doesn't end there. You know, he's going he's gonna to obsess over this type of stuff. He's going to look for signs. He's going to think about every little, th- every little discussion, every conversation, every little thing his father said. But- All of a sudden, the list of signs is going to expand. It's going to go from dollar bills to you know, what kind of Tupperware some person is using to whatever. Mike, Mike, uh, Fez's attempt at, at uh, an atheistic fucking life hasn't brought him any happiness either. I mean, if anything, it's been just the opposite. Since he decided God wasn't helping him, he's been a very depressed uh, and then other times anxious person. So... If you're looking for a philosophy that he can live by, he hasn't found one yet. Not not one that that gives him help. Now you seem like a like a scientific type thinker, and you want to see reality for what it is. But that has also not made Fez a more effective human being. Um, it's very very weird. And. Uh, when I run into atheist people, they seem as much locked in as if I run into a hardcore Christian or a hardcore Muslim. They are definitely not going through the world with an open mind. No, they're going through the world with a ridiculous amount of hate and uh, criticism towards or cynicism towards fucking any sort of organized religion. Well, the, yeah, there's a definite thing, and I'm sure something happened to them, and and. and we're not even saying to Fez, you'll find the message in the in the Bible. He came back with this 
strange connection that his dad had of believing that found money was good luck or at least a fun thing to collect and see how much of it he could get. And then Fez found five bucks on the ground, and that made him feel connected to his dad. I don't see it any nuttier than anything else Fez thinks. I don't think it any nuttier than, you know, any of this stuff that Fez has normally got that has him feeling upset. But this is just one that makes him feel good. And I doubt very many people don't go through life with some kind of superstitions. And superstitions are as old as humanity. As old as humanity. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Eric in Boston, you're on my fez. Hey, guys. Uh, you know... When people say that weird things don't happen, all it takes is for one instance of it to occur before it makes you somewhat of a believer, even if you're a little strange. And I don't know if it's growing up Irish Catholic. There's always stories you have somebody in your family. My mother used to say that the year that my grandfather passed away, uh, she felt him in the room, and she had one of those old fake chairs, fake leather chairs, and she could hear it moving in the middle of the night when she was watching TV. Five years ago, my father passed away, and every morning I always had the same routine. I'd go into the bathroom. I have a clock radio. It's tuned into the sports station. Put it on. I shave, brush my teeth, leave, go to work. And in that morning, I was getting ready, and I'm walking out the door, and I heard the radio on in the, in the bathroom. And I said, that's really, really strange. And I went in, and I said, well, maybe I didn't shut it off, or maybe I hit the sleep button. And, and I kept hitting the lock unplugged. I said, oh, geez. I said, that's right. I said, well, it was really weird this morning. Went through the whole thing with her. And he said, well, you know, my father passed away at around 545. It was around 6 a.m. when I was in there. You know, maybe this is one of those things. The one thing that me and my dad shared was sports. And it was the only thing that we could ever talk about. And every morning I listened to sports radio. And, and you know, later in the day or during the week, it would always be sports. And you know, you start looking for signs, and you don't want to overlook things, but right. I had to pull that plug. That radio was not going off. And you know what? To this day, I still have that radio, and it's never done that same thing again. Um, and I think everybody has somewhat of a story about this. And then logically, you know, we could come up with the things. But here in the middle of this... Uh, thing something gives them something gives fez comfort is that wrong is that the worst thing that could happen that in the middle of this thing that i'm telling you now uh and we and you guys think that you uh know fez from hearing him on the air for a lot of years um there's been very little that he's ever put on the air about his dad uh I think out of most of the things uh, in life, that was, was something. You tell childhood stories about you and your dad. You had a better childhood than most of the people that are listening. So, you know, maybe that's another thing for him to reflect upon. Um, I get somebody, not, you know, I get if you're an atheist, you don't want to, you think that there's some danger in superstitions superstitions have done a lot of horrible things to the planet earth no doubt about it superstitious behavior has led us to wars but if you want to think scientifically there are more things unexplained 
then are explained. And if Fez feels some connection and it makes them feel good, you can. I'm not any I'm not that sentimental of a guy that I would sit there smiling at a stupid dollar bill that <laughs> went and blew back in front of me. I'm not that type of personality. I'm also not the type of personality if I was sitting around in the back of my head bitching to myself, hey, that did the tough love thing for Fez go too tough? You know what I mean? That I know I want to give him the, come on, buddy, straighten up, you can do this speech, but maybe that was the wrong time. I don't want to be patting, smacking the guy in the, during the war and end up feeling like an idiot. When it comes out, but I did, I, I did, you know, give Fez the buck up thing, and I know you can do this, and I felt shit like shit walking across there until I saw the dollar bill. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Jeff, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey guys, uh, well, Fez. First of all, I want to say you're an amazing guy. I've listened to you for five years, invited both you and Ron in the cab of my truck here. Uh, you know, I don't know about Mike. I don't know where he's at. I think it's kind of skeptical on his part, but you know what? That $5 makes you feel better. You know, I, I will, I'll go even a step further. That I think maybe it was a sign from your dad saying, you know, the other day you were talking about your fears and, and all that stuff you brought up. You know, maybe it's just his way of saying, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. It, it, you're going to get through this. And, and gosh, I mean, you just, you know, my grandpa died several years ago, and there's still things that, that appear to me, and I know from my from my grandpa that, that uh, just a way to cope. You know, it's not neurotic, it's not insane, and for somebody to say, no, no, no way that can be that way. You know, everybody grieves in different ways, and everybody finds comfort in different things, and if it's a $5 bill that's going get to you, get you to the next day, Fez, then God bless you. Well, you know, let's go back to that guy, Mike. Now, if I didn't know Fez... And, you know, I was, you know, driving down the road and I heard somebody that was doing some illogical thinking and calling it a sign, you know, from a thing. I would be like, "Mm, come on, that's the kind of stuff we do when we need it. You know, I would have probably had the same result listening, but I never would have picked up the fucking phone. And told a person in the morning, stop it. You know, why not just... Um, I guess it was just a random $5 bill, Ron. No. No. It didn't come from anybody. What, do you have the so, $5 bill on it with you? No, I don't. Because I wanted to write your dad's name on the bottom and then later go like this. Oh, my God, look at this. Uh, Randy, you're on the Run of Fez show. My dad had a real yeah. problem with defacing money. Now, I was just going to kind of tag on what you just said. If, if To Mike, if you, why would you call in just to try to crush somebody if it's uplifting? You know, I get so, you know, I get aggravated with feds and I get aggravated with things. But, you know, it's, if you're a fan of the show, why we, why did everybody have to call in just when someone has an uplifting thing, had to call and try to run it down? If you don't like the show, quit listening. If you don't like feds, quit listening. Because he's an integral part of the show, and I know I should tell your listeners quit, but uh, I just don't understand why you got to be such a damn negative Nancy's all the time. I mean, you know, well, you I know, just don't understand it. You know, I actually, I, I ponder these things all the time. Like, when 
uh, let's say I was to go to Earl's church, and the guy is up there talking, and I see people like you know standing up and moving around, and and uh, I'm like. Uh, that's weird, you know what I mean? Like, man, they're really, you know, selling this thing hard. Um, and then I wonder if this is healthy or unhealthy. And I lean towards unhealthy. That's just me, the way I think when I see it. And yet, if that gospel choir starts to kick it out, I can be moved. I definitely can be mu- moved when I hear that music. So I'm sure people would look at me and go, oh, stop it, you know? But I can definitely be uh, incredibly feel connected when when I hear uh, music. And it doesn't have to just be, you know, by the greatest artists of our time. I mean, I can be moved sometimes if I hear somebody singing in a bar. So you could, I, I mean, is that illogical to be to be moved towards a feeling of connectedness through a, through a piece of art, whether it's a painting, a film, a music. Yeah. I think that when you're sitting there watching a film and, you know, you're teared up because two actors are talking of, about the fact that another child actor now they've made up words that that actor is sick or dead, and you're caught up in it when you know they're all professionals. Oh, of course. I mean, we extend ourselves. We we say we want to be moved, you know? And, and basically, I think a, a big part of Fez's problem for years is that he hasn't felt connected. Not even felt connected to people standing around him. That's why he's going to... Um, Therapy is that he's trying to learn how to connect. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, let's go over here to... Um, oh, it's our friend Queen Elizabeth. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fezzy. Sorry about your pop. Um, my uh, stepdad died a couple years ago, and he had a thing about dimes. And um, now whenever my mom is like in some kind of... Uh, you know, stressful situation. She swears to God he drops dimes. She'll find dimes all over the place. Let me tell you, somebody in my family drops a dime, <laughs> and it's over. And my and um, my dad passed away two years ago, and whenever I see an oil delivery truck, that was his last job before he died, uh, like I never saw them the whole time he worked for them. And now, like, they'll be just rumbling past me when I'm, you know, walking home or something. I'll be like, oh, dad's saying hi, you know. Mm. And it brings comfort, you know. What's wrong with what's wrong with a little comfort? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm going to try not to do that when my dad worked in a bank in Manhattan. There's one every two feet. Well, there, you say that, but they've actually put a, one in between those other ones. They've they've found some small areas. I don't understand the need for so many banks either. So many banks. Um, I guess they have to have something to break up the Starbucks. Here's Jennifer. Jennifer and Atlanta, you're on Fez. Oh, hi. Um, I just wanted to uh, express my condolences to Fez, and I've been a fan of you guys. Um, since I grew up in Tampa, so I've listened to you guys for years. And I just wanted to let Fez know that um, I totally 
believe in signs. Um, my dad passed away 13 years ago of cancer, and he was in hospice care. And um, the night that my sister and I arrived in town, he'd been calling for us all day. And um, we finally arrived at the same time. It was in the evening. We said our goodbyes, and he was a bit delirious. And um, about uh, he passed away about 4 o'clock the next morning. And um, as my, uh, my, we were all there at the house, and um, the hospice nurse knocked on our door and said, you know, your dad just passed away. And later on that day, my sister had told me, she said, right before the nurse knocked on the door, um, she had had a dream that she and her, our dad were dancing. He was smiling. He was happy. And he said he wasn't in pain anymore. And it, I just, I told her, I said, Put, you know, keep that with you and remember that for the rest of your life because, I mean, that was such a special thing for her to, um, to have experienced. And um, I, I completely believe in signs. And whatever makes you feel good and um, believe in that, go for it. Um, Fez, have you ever considered yourself a superstitious person? Um, yeah, because I've I've always believed in jinxes. So I, I yeah, total superstition. Anyone who's ever gambled believes in jinxes. I don't care who you are. Jinxes are real. If I was at the track and someone just pointed out that guy's a jinx, I'm gonna believe them. No shit. I'd be like, to me, that's like if you would have yelled out. You know, back in Boston, that that woman's a witch. I'll just turn on a jinx in a heartbeat. Um, let's go over here to Ron in Kansas. You're on Ron and Fez. Hey, buddy. Uh, Fez, I love you guys to death. Here's my deal, Ron. I agree with what you're saying. Fez, it's cool that you have this sign. My worry is that it doesn't, because when you talk, it's, it's always about you. I don't want it to be where, it's like, it's the advice show. Now it's going to be the sign show. I think it's great to have one sign. I just don't want you to focus on this, and this will be like, like I said, the advice show, the sign show. Where are we going to go with this? Ron, can you, you give the guy some time to make some adjustments? You know, just because this is what he came in today, do we have to think that it's just going to turn into the crazy superstition show? No. Give him some time to make adjustments. This is a major thing that happened to him and the thing with fez is he acts like every minor thing is a major thing so normally i mean fez and i've known him for a, a long time we're, we're about knowing each other for half our lives and for half of my life when fez says ron this is really bad i tell him no, buddy. It's not so bad you're overreacting. When I go to visit him in his hospital, and his dad's going into his operations, and he says to me, this is really bad, I couldn't tell him, no, this isn't really bad. When his dad died, and he says, this is really bad, I couldn't, I didn't have any. This is the stuff that's really bad. It's really hard to deal with. Having said that, he is able to deal with it. He has the tools to deal with it, because this is also the human experience. Something hasn't happened to Fez that it's not going to happen to every other human being. And um, uh, I saw a a friend of mine today in the lobby who had, uh, we were talking about the, the comic, uh, Mike DiStefano. Uh, Fez never 
you know, wouldn't let me say the last name myself. Oh, I know you're always wanting to jump in. But, uh, and there were, he was supposed to come in and do s- several of the shows next week. And, um, you know, then he passed away. They were really, really freaked out about it and feeling just terrible. And only had the slightest thing because it brings that mortality to all of us. We're all, we all go through these things. We all do. And the weirdest thing about this being the advice show, we don't know. Just because something worked for us, and that's the hard thing about this kind of stuff, it's like just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for the next person. Um, similar to that is like that whole getting dumped by a girl. You really don't know the thing that makes you start to feel okay again. And then somehow okay goes to feel good. Um, but it certainly doesn't work the same way for every single person. And I've had this conversation on every side of this before. And no one knows when people start to kick back in and, and feeling normal. And a death of a loved one, of, of of course, is much bigger than that. Um, let's go over to uh, Jamie. Jamie, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, Fez, question for you. Do you think that after this cathartic process, you're going to be uh, a tougher customer in the upcoming months, or are you going to have to, to reevaluate some things? Well, I mean, I definitely have to reevaluate things anyway, but I, I, you know, I'm trying to focus when I have a, a better moment. I'm trying uh-huh. to focus on, all right, you know, maybe I, I now I have an ally on the other side. I went through a similar experience when, when my mother passed on, and I found that after the cathartic process, I was a tougher customer, you know, all around the horn. My, my old lady, was a t- my mother was a bartender from Lutzburger, New Jersey. She was a tough customer. And uh, I found myself that I, I was able to harvest some of her good mentalities posthumously. You know, I should have done when she was alive. Shame on me. But trust me, it, it gets easier. It does get easier. Kyle, we're rooting for you. Good luck. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, here's Chris. You're on fez Hey, Fezzy, I just want to say uh, I agree with you that there are superstitions that people do try to talk to you once they pass on. I had a couple friends that uh, killed themselves in high school that were real close to me, and it really devastated me. And I spent a lot of time really pondering about their death. One night they both came to me in separate dreams, but they both came to me to tell me that they... They were doing great and that they had moved on and not to worry about them and stopped being so upset over it. And ever since that day, I've just kind of been totally accepting of what they did. Yeah, I mean, I when I have gone to sleep, I've I mean, every night it's a dream about about my father, not you know him visiting me at all. But it's just I've had dreams where I'm in the operating room with them. You know, where I'm back at his hospital bed. So, comforting dreams? No. Not one. Mm. Not one yet. I haven't gotten a comforting dream yet. 
Uh, you were telling me yesterday that you went to the bookstore and looked for some of those uh, books. Oh, yeah, you know, Loss of a Parent book. Mm-hmm. And I started to, uh, speaking of dreams, I started reading one a passage from, you know, uh, one of these books, and it was talking about how this woman lost her father, and she saw him in a dream, and he didn't know her, and she kept reaching out for him and couldn't get to him. And I just, oh, man, I just threw it back. I even put it back on a shelf where it didn't belong. What was it in book, Tales from the Crips? Uh, it might as well have been. It was just horrifying to me. I don't, I don't want to go through stuff like that. Um, let's go over to John Wilmington. You're on Fez. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Hey. Hey, uh, Fez, um, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad, it, and yesterday's show was, was, you know, pretty moving, and I, you know, really appreciated it. Um, in terms of talking about signs from, uh, uh, from, a, from a loved one, and, and the caller before me kind of touched base on it as far as dreams go, I, I kind of believe that, you know, you, uh, parents who have passed on or relatives who have passed on, I believe that they do come to you in dreams, and they do kind of you know, to touch base with you just to see, you know, how you're doing. And then when, when, when you do have a, a dream uh, that your dad is in it and he, he does come to you, it's, it's going to be something that's going to just really just hard to, you know, wrap your mind around. And it's, it's, it's just a, on a whole other level, and it's just so neat. And, uh, you know, just be on the lookout for him because he will, he will appear to you, mm-hmm. I believe, anyway. Um, 866 Ron Zero Fez, 866 Ron Zero Fez. Greg, Colorado, you're on Ron Fez. Hey, Fez, I just had a quick question. Um, as far as the afterlife, do you feel like your dad is in a, a better place? Um, do you have thoughts on that as far as no pain, that he's happy to be be there? Or what Does that give you any comfort at all, or how do you feel about that? I'd, I mean, it's it's very selfish. I think I'd rather have my dad alive with me. But, I mean, he wasn't in the best of health to begin with. He had a lot of health issues since his major heart attack. So if he's, if, if he's in a place where he's finally got some relief from that, then that's a good thing. Uh, here's Dan. Dan, you're on Fez. Hey, buddy. Hey, Fezzy. Sorry about your loss, brother. Hey, I lost my brother when he was 28, and... Um I took his cross and his necklace, and I wear it every day, and it's been 10 years. And every time the class touches the cross, I think my brother's thinking about me, and I kiss the cross, and I, uh, you know, I basically say a little prayer and tell him I'm thinking about him. So, I don't know. There might be something like that that helps you, brother. But that's my story. I'm thinking about you, man. Peace. Take care, man. Your family doesn't wear crucifixes, right? Uh, no, not crucifixes. Heathens! What the hell's going on over there? Mm. I guess you're probably, uh, for your belief, I, I guess it would have no comfort, even in the thought of an afterlife, with the th- fact that Jesus would be screaming in your father's face for picking a Lutheran over a catechism. Oh, that would be terrifying. Can you imagine, Hicks? I don't want to think about that. Going into heaven with the wrong religion? Oh, poor bastards. What were you doing? Mm. Uh, Graham, you're on Red Fez. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. I was just, I was just calling to say, uh, aside from the afterlife, 
are about the same as uh, like UFOs and the Loch Ness Monster. If your mind's on that sort of thing, that's what you'll tend to perceive through things that you uh, run into in the course of your day. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah, I mean, it really comes back uh, to the fact of does it make you feel better or worse? Uh, very little uh, to make them feel better today. So, what's the big deal? It's got the money thing. Uh, Gary. Your manifest. Uh, yeah, uh, one thing I'd like to say, and I brought up, and I really uh, mean this, is that when, when you lose somebody close to you, you always have your family around to help you through. Very rarely do you have a friend or a co-worker that, you know, really cares about your feds. And you got Ron. Jeez, I would kill to have somebody like that near me uh, when you have this situation. Because sometimes it's easier to talk to people other than family. And to have a close friend and a co-worker like that, you're extremely lucky in that sense. You know, the interesting thing is, and Fez takes that, that relationship and shits all over it. Literally shits upon it. And I'll tell you this, Fez, if I go before you, uh-huh. I'm haunting your ass. Don't. I will get you. I will come to you from above. You will never have another decent night's sleep. That's all I'm saying. And that goes for all you fucking listeners. I'll come after every one of you cockfucks. Not you, Hicks. Oh, shit. You should go to the track, because I'll be sending you all kinds of fucking signs. I love it. And split me a piece, you fucker. I give you that horse. I want you to build a statue of me. No worries. Now, here's some nice uh, superstition. Uh... Lent tomorrow, I decided I'm going to give up the cigar smoking for Lent. I've been smoking cigars nonstop since I said that, and I'm totally freaked the fuck out. Tonight will be my last time. So at midnight? Cigars. Fuck no, no, I start first thing in the morning. Oh, okay, good. All right. I can't be like some animal starting at midnight. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's go nuts on it, man. I don't know. I might even back out. I might even back out. You, if I do this, Fez, you promise to buy me 40 boxes of cigars when I make it through? Cubans? 40 boxes of Cubans? I'll have them in an Easter basket for you. Use your mother's found, uh, use your father's found money. Um, here's Bill. Bill, you're in front of Fez. Uh, hey, how's it going, buddies? Yeah. Uh, first of all, Fez, I want to say I'm very sorry about your loss. Uh, second, I actually had the dream you were just talking about before where you're chasing after somebody. I lost a friend when I was younger. And I'd have the recurring dream. I was chasing through a crowd. They couldn't hear me. They couldn't, you know, wouldn't stop for me. And then finally one night I had a dream where I caught them, and I was, like, saying in their face, you know, why can't you hear me? Why can't you hear me? And then she finally looked at me in the eyes and said, I always hear you. And then that was the last time I ever had the dream. So it's kind of like closure. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, I didn't think. Uh, here's Colleen, you're in a fez. Turn your radio down, honey. Oh. You sound like me calling uh, the compound. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say I'm really sorry, Feds, for the loss of your father. 
Um, I had a friend who was a heroin addict. She died. Um, Don't make her a bad person. Nope. She died um, in 1998. And right before she died, I hadn't talked to her because she was in a rehab. And so I was just giving her time to try to get her life together. And I had a dream that she was playing with my hair and she was talking to me and she was really bothering me in this dream and I kept saying Elisa please I'm trying to sleep and she's saying I'm all right now I just wanted to tell you I'm all right now and I was like well that's fine that's great but I really need to get some sleep and when I woke up I was like wow what a weird dream and um, I hadn't known it but the night before she had taken seven bags of heroin and had died in her sleep and I got a, the phone ring as soon as I woke up, and it was my friend, my other friend. And she said, "You need to, um, you need to sit down. I need to tell you something." And that's I just knew she was going to tell me that she had died. And I totally believe in the 13 years that she's been dead that that she's sent me signs. Um, whenever I'm thinking about her, it'll be funny. Like I'll be thinking about her, and I'll just really need like some some support or whatever, and I'll like run into her mother just randomly at like a store or her sister will drive by me on the highway or I'll see a butterfly and butterflies are a symbol of um of like rebirth like when you die and you're reborn into like the afterlife or whatever what happens when you see a butterfinger what's that I think that's the the symbol of deliciousness now (laughs) Colleen the saddest thing about this story she died in 1998 yes she never got to see the matrix no, no, she didn't. Or Fight Club, sad. I know, it was such a great year. I know, it was really bad. I always think, too, I'm like, man, she didn't never got to hear like this album or see this movie. And she never got, got a cell phone or an iPod. She really missed out. Yeah. But I just wanted to say, Fez, I'm thinking about you. And um, I think me and Fez are really similar, the way we act and the way we get depressed and shut down sometimes. And, and really, like, if you just are open to those signs and, um, and you see them, just accept them because they really do make you feel better. It's been 13 years, and I still see them. So, right. so I just wanted to say that. Bye. Colleen. You are a lot like Colleen. So much like her. I mean, A, you both have vaginas. B, your best friend's a junkie. It's weird. I don't have a vagina. Anymore. Post-op? Yes. Uh, a P.O. Well, anything else you're doing that's giving you some comfort, Fez? You're living in the, the Salvia Corners over there. People diving out of buildings. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I've been carrying my dad's picture around with me. Let me see. We um he when he came to New York, anytime he came to New York, he loved that Dylan's Candies bar mm. on um 3rd Avenue. So they had a picture frame there and I got his picture. Him no, laughing. Was this of him taken there? Uh no, no. You just got it done in the Dylan. So you carry the uh, the frame around. Yeah, it's a little in here. Yeah. That is a beautiful picture. It looks like. Hey, my picture! This will help you get over that, Fess. I don't think so. Take this frame, Hicks, and have a picture of me putting it in there. But like a real mean picture where I'm pointing at him. Done, done. You better get back to work, mister! Lady Trucker. 
Hey, Ron, if you die before me, how are you going to haunt me? All I could do to haunt you, honey, is to let your life go on the way it has been. <laughs> um, let's go over to Tony. Tony in Brooklyn, you're in my face. Hey, Fezzy, sorry for your loss, buddy. Thank you. But, uh, uh, no problem, now. Hey, Ronnie, does Ash Wednesday start when you go to church, or does it start the day, uh, like, you know, you get up in the morning and then that's it? I mean, could oh. you have one more cigar at, like, 7 o'clock before you go to the Mass? And- I want to check on the rules, because I'll walk all the way over to St. Patrick's, and I'll walk around that thing and stand in the long line. I think that, I think, you know what, you could be spoken until, like, I don't know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, go to Mass at 5, there you go. I'm loving the story. All right, appreciate it. No, you can't do that, can you? I don't think so. Uh, Greg, you're running Fez. Ronnie B. Yes, sir. I was going to see if Fez has ever thought about attending uh, Jim Norton's Mental Health Center. Mm. Maybe that might him feel a little better. Thank you, sir. We're all going to have time to make fun of Fez. Sure. By the way, speaking of Jim Norton, Despicable is out today. Oh, is today the day? Today is the day. Jim Norton's Despicable CD is out. You can get it at Amazon.com. He is uh, dedicating this CD to your father, Till, he told me. That's nice. I made it up. Oh. It's going to be a little late to get in the liner notes, I guess. (laughs) Not even then. Because I actually said to him, I called those guys and I told them that your father passed away. And um, Jimmy said to me, All right, who's Fez? And I explained it. And he was like, Oh, yeah, that was the guy that I was texting when he was doing his Hitler bit. I didn't even look up. I go, Yeah. Chris, show me the run face show. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, last time I had a sign, man, was when Ice Cube was on your show. I heard. Uh, that today was a good day after he was interviewed. Heard that 7-Eleven line. Was on my way to the casino anyway that night. Got in a friend's car later that night. He was at a store. Heard it again in the parking lot. Got extremely hyped. Thought, this is a sign. I need to go roll some dice. Went in, lost 900 bucks in 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. No one bl- that's black magic. you got to be very careful of that. All right. Oh, by the way, yesterday uh, I got a call. I got a call from Earl last night, who said that he. Li- oh, well, I'll look it up on his Twitter here. But listen to the first hour. Uh, was moved to tears and said how much that it meant to him because he was, you know, going through his own shit. He says he's been to five funerals of different people close to him in the in the past year and your story moved him to tears and I don't know whether anyone's ever said that about you before Fez no I don't think so and I've never seen Earl cry you were um I have when um when he looked at his uh, paycheck from this new place um but you look into uh you know, it is a human connection that we all have. And I brought this up before. It's what it's why these people are calling and bringing up like their own personal stories. You know, we, we'd like to think that our lives are somewhat unique, but they're not. They're the same stories being told over and over again. But Earl was actually uh, moved yesterday 
and when he called me last night, he said it was actually good for him that he was able to cry, and he felt much better afterwards. Um, that he actually needed to do that, you know. Um, and he said, tough, tough morning, but then I put on Ron and Fez in, in the first hour. They truly are the best things going today. And after he posted that, both Ant and Opie tweeted to him, furious. <laughs> <laughs> and Opie was like, uh, did Ron and Fez ever get you jerked off by Brie Olsen? No. So they were very, I guess, competitive, Fezzy, with your death story yesterday. Yeah, I guess so. They want so. their own death stories. All right, well, we will take a uh, break here. I'm back in just a couple moments. You want to go on with this, Fezzy? You want to jump into some other news stuff and start trying to have some fun? What do you want to do? Um, let me try to have some fun here because I've got to... Try. A... All we can do is try. Because i got a problem with the WWE again. Well, all right. Right back, Ron and Fez. You're listening to the Ron and Fez Show on the virus. Series 197, XM202. <laughs> I'm Ernie McCracken. When I found out little Billy was growing up without a daddy. When Big Ern saw our picture in the paper, he called the Unified Fund and got involved. I had to. Couldn't help myself. The Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Fez, you had a gigantic breaking news story for us? Yes, out of the WWE. It's the Hall of Fame inductees for this year. I'm looking at a very weak class. They've announced uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, it was a flag and a piece of lumber. I don't think lumber should qualify you for the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Well, what is the criteria for making it to the Wrestling Hall of Fame? I think uh, anymore it's, you know, we need bodies at this point. Exactly. I mean, what is the actual criteria? I mean, how, do, how would one go about picking who goes into the Wrestling Hall of Fame? You can't go by wins. You can't go winning percentage. Um... Who else is in there? I mean, I don't understand how Hacksaw isn't the same as all the other. Hacksaw was great. He I mean, it, it's just Vince's plan. 
Right, yeah, but I mean, it should if it's going, you should at least have some semblance of a real Hall of Fame. Right, but what would you base this on since we can't do it on wins and losses like you do in actual Hall of Fames? You would only be able to do it on the level of celebrity, right? Right, well, I would do it on championships. Why? That's picked. So you can't sit around and say, one guy won so many championships, so that's great, when... The guy who picks the championships is also... Explosion in that room when we came walking out with those flags and how crazy those idiots went because uh, we were putting over the USA. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable to be standing in the middle of that. Like, people don't understand when those wrestlers go out how nutty their fans are and how crazy they start to go. Uh, but there is no way to really pick out. I mean, does, they don't even get to pick who they are, right? No, no, I think they get their, yeah, they get their gimmick handed to them. So why would you give somebody else credit for wins, championships, popularity, or originality? It's really only one person belongs in the Hall of Fame, and that's Vince McMahon. Everything else is just Vince's imagination. It's just part, different parts of his imagination. Is Vince in the, in the Hall of Fame? No, but he picks every year. Yeah, but Hacksaw was a B-carder at best. He was never a main eventer. You could at least go by that. Says who? Who would go by that? The one guy who picks, Vince. This Hall of Fame is probably just about getting a pop on TV by bringing back old guys. I, I'm sure he's not taking the Hall of Fame as seriously as you are. What's the difference between Hall of Fame and Slammy Awards? Well, Slammy Awards is a, a singular award that goes out every year by Vince, given to Vince's ideas. So that's a yearly salute from Vince to Vince. But this is a lifetime idea award given from Vince McMahon to Vince McMahon. They're also putting Sonny the valet in this well, year. Well, I know you got no problem with that one. Oh. I mean, she was adorable and... Uh, Somehow she lived through it, right? Yeah. Everybody seems like she was connected with died. Yeah, she survived. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, if you're gonna, if you're looking for a woman to put in this class of 2011, there's better picks than Sunny. I would put Stephanie McMahon Helmsley in there. Matt, you're on running Fez. Yeah, Fez is totally right. I mean, they don't even have Macho Man in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's because Mach had sex with an underage uh, person. Oh, uh, not in the ring. Yeah, but uh, people get mad about that. Um, J- JJ, you're on running Fez. Hey, what's going on, boys? I just yeah. wanted to correct Fezzy as to Axel being a B-carder. He was the winner of the first ever Royal Rumble. He, well, he that's won, big. He won the first Royal Rumble, but they didn't have like the main eventers in that thing. It was like a, it was like just a match where we just put everyone left over in the ring. So you're saying Stop. if there was tougher guys, he couldn't have won? 
He wouldn't have won. How do you know? He wouldn't have been put over against, like, a Hulk Hogan. Who who makes that decision? That would have been Vince. So, you, And then who makes the decision for the Hall of Fame? Vince. Yeah, so the same guy made both decisions. How can you fault these decisions? Um, here's uh, Charlie, you're on Ronnie, uh, I wanted to ask you two things. One is about the wrestlers. Is I'm sure Vince McMahon has every dollar amount of what a wrestler is worth to him, pay-per-view, sales tickets. I'm sure that the accounting is done so efficiently on what these guys are worth, and he's picking the guys. We can tell the pay-per-views, the ticket sales, the, you know, the swag is what everything's worth. And if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you about Killer Inside Me. Sure. Uh, did you feel that Casey Affleck and Killer Inside Me was very similar to his role in the, cow- the, uh, the Robert Ford, uh, the assassination of Jesse James? Did I did. I did. And I think Casey Affleck, oddly, has become one of our most interesting actors. And if I was doing the Ron Bennington Hall of Fame, I'd be taking a good, long uh, look at him. Really would. Uh, Mark, you're on What's up, buddies? Yeah. Hey Ronnie, I, I heard that Macho Man rumor a couple of years ago, and without naming names, do you know any? Do you know if that was legit? No, I heard the same rumor as you. I haven't. I haven't even talked to Macho in God probably over fifteen years. I used to know him pretty well. Um, he used to come into my club all the time in Florida when him and uh, Elizabeth were together. They both used to come in. Very, very um, complicated guy, obviously. But I heard that rumor. I mean, it's, he's the one guy that never gets invited back. And I don't know, you know, I only made that joke off the uh, the fact that rumor goes around. I have no idea what any of this stuff is. Uh, Ken, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry about your loss, Fez. Hey, Fezzy, uh, I mean, I remember back in the day when my boy was small, we'd take him to wrestling, and the fans would go crazy when when Hacksaw would come out with that flag and that 2 by 4 And plus, didn't he... Uh, he had a figurine made after him, so to me, I mean, if you're big enough to, to get one of them toys on, on the shelves in a store, man, you're doing pretty good, right? Now, the figurine, that's actually made out of like some kind of a china? No, no, it's like uh, some sort of rubber latex thing, an action figure. No crystal ones? No. I think they're missing an upper uh, upscale uh, market then. Huge mistake. And they all get action figures now. I think uh, I think the Brooklyn Brawler ended up with an action figure. So he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I would say not. Do you get a say? No. See, that's what I I, I never get. It's really just up to Vince. Um. But obviously, he thinks the guy uh, gets there. Um. Tammy Armanifest. Hey, Ronnie B. Hey, Macho Man, um, he, he just did a commercial for WWE, for the new WWE um, video game, WWE All-Stars. And, um, you know, normally when they do the Hall of Fame selections, they save the best for last. And uh, I think he'll be in Atlanta this, this year. You think so, Fez? No, I don't think so, because they've already got their headliner for the Hall of Fame this year, Shawn Michaels. And I think that may be another theory on why we're getting B-level uh, wrestlers to make Shawn Michaels look all the better to go into the Hall of Fame. See, here's the thing about Shawn Michaels. I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and for one reason and one reason only. You don't kick your friend 
through a barbershop window. And it's about class. Um, it's time to talk some gay news, and we always like to get into uh, gay news on the Ron Fest show. And let's go to our correspondent for gay news, Mark Zito. Uh Mark, you said you had a, uh, a gigantic gay news uh, announcement to make today. Well, it seems as though Anderson Cooper might have come out. Really? Really. I think that's big breaking gay news. He attended Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras, whatever, and uh, apparently he brought a male companion thought to be his boyfriend. Well, they know who his his roommate is, right? Yes. So they would know... Uh, no, he normally doesn't take him on road gigs. As far as I know, no. He was uh, he was in New Orleans, and he was actually uh, with Kelly Ripa. I don't know if they were filming something for when he. Yeah, co-wrote. that's not a boy. That's Kelly Ripa. <laughs> but he also uh, apparently was there with a, uh, a male companion, and that is the uh, the big story these days in the gay news on the interwebs. Now the uh, how is that big news? He went with a friend to Mardi Gras. People do that all the time. That's not really a big gay news story. Well, I just think it's big that like you know he's kind of always had that whole is he out? Is he not out? And now you know that he's um. Now I just went and did a Google search on Anderson Cooper. I'm seeing Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras. Nothing about a guy being with him. Well, that's because they're saying they, he brought his companion along for the ride, but people I are see. saying it's his boyfriend. Why won't he come out? I don't know. Uh, maybe he feels like it'll affect his news career, or people like wouldn't wouldn't watch him as much, or something like that. Instead of CNN, they'll call it C in the N, and then start laughing. <laughs> the uh, the guy's name is uh, Benjamin Masani, and he's apparently, according to Gawker, he's. Coop's main man, they say. Oh, so Gawker came out with this? Yes. Gawker's oh. one of the places where it was. How's he looking? Good looking guy? I mean, I'm not, good, I'm not too good at judging the attractiveness of men, but like, he looks he looks fine. Yeah, I don't expect to see Anderson Cooper with a pig. He looks like Justin Timberlake. Is he bigger or smaller? Bigger than Anderson? Seems to be a little smaller, actually, but probably more muscular. That's tough for Anderson to even find out there. And he looks, and he looks younger, too. Um, Maybe he doesn't come out because the fact that he goes on a trip to New Orleans with a friend is supposedly big gay news. Well, this happens when any single person is out with anybody, any celebrity. If, um, you know, let's say, who's a big star right now? Give me a big star. Well, let's say John Mayer. If John Mayer had somebody with him, wouldn't matter who it was. That would be a story. Yeah, people would be talking about it. There'd be tabloid stories. I mean, people like that get linked up with uh, if they're just in the same room as other celebrities. Now, if John Mayer gets married, uh, then they no longer bring it up. You know, they're like, whatever. You end up ruining it. Well, even more specifically, with John Mayer, you you know he's you know his sexual orientation. If you see him with a woman, you report that that's him just being with some random woman might not be a big thing. But somebody like Anderson Cooper, where he plays the is he isn't he game, people want to know. It's just human nature. I didn't know that he plays that game. He just doesn't come out, right? Yeah, I don't think he plays that game. I think people play that with him. What if he did this every night at the end of the news? I'm Anderson Cooper. What am I? Straight, gay. You figured out. Courage. 360. Is that his show, 360? AC 360. AC, DC 360. 360 is like a spin. Like, hold on to your own toes and spin on it. Sick. Um, 
Let's go over to um, Kyle. You're on Run Fez. Hey, what's going on, guys? On uh, I think it's on his Wikipedia page. He had, where it brought up the gay rumors before. He said he didn't want to come out as uh, agreeing to either way because it, he didn't want it to affect his bias uh, when reporting stories. Well, the fact is, you would have a bias unless you were unless you were open about it. Right. Those pictures. Um, like last summer, I think it was him and uh, his companion on vacation, kind of very close together on a balcony. All right, Hicks, come over and get the picture of his companion up here. I want to take a look. Um, I think he's definitely beating that shit up. No doubt about it. All right, let's take a look at his companion. Get a good look at him here. Have you seen him before, Hicks? Boy, this this fucking thing acts like we're asking. Oh, so he's actually out on the town with him? Yeah, that's why. I mean, he's on the float with him. That's fucking huge news. It's one thing if you leave him back at the hotel, but when you put him on the float with you, come on. (laughs) People expect to, you know. I've never seen this guy before, but he definitely looks like a fucking Justin Timberlake type. Let me tell you this. He's a fucking looker. There's no doubt about that. He's a very good looking guy. He is the co-owner of a gay bar uh, called Eastern Block. Oh, God. Why can't he get the money together for his own gay bar? Now, if you were like fucking Anderson Cooper and you, you your boyfriend had a thing called Eastern Block and you had to get to bed in the morning, he's like, well, I gotta go over and fucking pour beers. You're gonna be like, yeah, you're gonna pour beers in your ass. The amount of ass play that's going on while I'm sleeping, getting ready for my show is unbelievable. There is probably no way in that community to not feel totally like a crazy person if you have any amount of jealousy at all. Just because you know how... Like, guys operate? Like, going after people? Fuck yeah. And that, that a guy isn't going to turn down sex. And now you got... you. Unlike us, right? Yeah. You go into a bar. It's women's choice. A woman come over to you and said, do you want to have sex? You would say yes, no matter what she looked like. Mm-hmm. In a gay bar, both fucking sides... There's only one side. Just the people who go, yes, I want constant sex. There isn't anybody... There isn't any discriminating eye there. And they, they are, they will, they'll really go after you because I remember one time when I was in college, we did this project where we put up like a fake Craigslist ad looking for women. Mm-hmm. And even though we were looking for women, got 50 responses from gay dudes that were like, hey, can I just discreetly blow you? And it's like, so all these guys are out there like, you know, trolling for it a lot of the time, even when they're... You can't, you can't walk into a gay bar and not get blown if you want to. You just walk in there and go, or the other side would probably be easier if you went in there and said... Uh, who needs a blowjob? Everyone in place. Yeah, go ahead. Why well, I'm sitting here watching a game. Uh, all right. Gay news. Thank you. If it's gay news, Mark Zito is on top of it. I'm on it. Now, since you've been uh, given this, do you have any questions? Are you wondering at all about anything? Or you feel like you've, you've got the subject down? Uh, just g- like gayness in general? Yeah, or? anything at all we could help you with. Well, I just mean, is there any is there any like particular aspect of gay news you'd you'd like to hear more about? Or? No, okay. no. How about you? Do you have any uh, questions about the community or anything that you're wondering about what goes on there? Well, it seems like uh, there's a lot more anal sex 
in the gay community? Well, that's from the lack of vaginas. I'm going to tell you that that easy. Yeah, but no, the, no, no. But even females. A recent study came out: bisexual and lesbian females uh, prefer anal sex. That just struck me as totally bizarre. I'm going to say this, and I don't know anything about it, but I do want to read this report. I'm just going to say that if a woman's going to do that, she's probably going to be a little more open to things. You know what I mean? But maybe all women would enjoy anal sex, but only the ones that get out there and, you know, or the get-up-and-go-gals are going to try it. I just mean, if you had if you had two vaginas, I feel like you, you'd double down with that. Why you would both be going after anal sex in that situation seems like it'd be kind of strange to me. Maybe in the uh, like the gay community, the lesbian community, I don't know, may have tops and bottoms as well. <laughs> well, whether you're a top or a bottom doesn't have much to do with anal sex. What he's saying is... And you're saying most straight women don't enjoy anal sex? Well, I would assume it's it's less prevalent based on this uh, this article I read. Um, it it just says that like more people, there seems to be like a resurgence in anal sex and bisexual women and lesbians. They like sodomy a lot more. God bless them. God bless them. I've been worried about you the other day because you brought up the fact that you didn't think you could beat up uh, a certain girl yesterday on the show. We were talking about it. Yeah. And I just wanted to throw this out there. And answer quick, okay? Okay. What percentage of the world could you beat up in a fight? Seven. Why are we are we including children? I of the whole world. You came up with seven percent. <laughs> now here's what I'm saying right there. Now I I I'll I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I always wanted to put together a one of those websites that would have like a computer that would do the math for you. Uh, and we could ask probably a couple of questions. You've never been in a real fist fight? No. Fist fights terrify you, the idea of it? Uh, yeah, it's, well, I mean, they don't terrify me, but it's not something I'm looking to get involved in, no. And you've managed to dodge that. Is that because you've turned down fights before, even as a kid? Yeah. I mean, like, there's been times where, given the amount of stupid shit I say, it's kind of amazing I haven't been in a fight. Yeah. But uh, I've been able to kind of duck in and out of it throughout my life. I want to tell you this, too. And I always, whenever I take a look at people, I'll size them up, no matter what uh, thing I go into. If I were to hit you, where do you think I would do it? If it was like a serious like bar fight. Like in the head? Nope. That nose of yours will fucking shatter and shatter fast. It is a, it is you, a large nose. It's, no, it's not just that. It is what's called a breakable nose. That thing is like a breakaway nose that you have. Because oh. it's thin with a very high bridge there, and... You've never been punched in the nose before, right? No, even though it looks like... like I'm trying to figure out if I broke it one day. I got some weird fucking hump in it. Yeah, it does. And uh, and actually, we do. Uh, there's certain people that break their nose as babies and stuff like that, particularly when you've you got a prominent nose. Um, yeah, that nose would shatter in a fight. You're, you'd probably be best to get it broke, but even if you start like training as a boxer, your nose is going to break pretty early early on. Now, the way I look at it, though, 7% of the world's population, like while it sounds kind of like a low number, it's like millions and millions of people. So oh, absolutely. But there's billions of people on the planet. Well, so look at it this way. we got, what, 4 billion people on the planet. Yeah. Um, you could probably even go as high as 7. 7 billion? Yeah. It said we're expected to hit 7 billion in 2011. Well... All right, so here you go. Half of them are women. So you've got to say, a person like yourself, Mm -hmm. you've got to do pretty well against the women, right? Yeah. If you could even beat half of the women, that now takes your 7% and moves you up to 25%. Then again, 
part of those those seven billion, you've got babies. Easy win. Okay. You've got the elderly. I'm feeling better about myself now. Uh, you've got the starving. Uh, you're going to be able to probably take out most of the starving. Uh, the sickly. Sounds like we're up at like 60% now. Um, you, well, you're not close to 60% oh. with you. But I would say most healthy American men, you're easily looking at 70, 75% of the, do you the f- world. Do you think that you fall within that range or are you higher or lower? First of all, I'm going to add you to my fucking list. So boom, I pop up right away. <laughs> but if you really look this over, and I really, I'd love to have a mathematician help out with this. Because I th- always thought this would make a great website that you could... Now, Fez, if I said right up to you, what do you think you'd be? I would, I would probably have gone with 20%. Thinking of... Because I thought of the, the sick, you know, that are out there. Right. Uh, the uh, women and pregnant women alone have got to be would that count easy as targets. Two? No. Okay. No, I'm uh, pro-choice, so no, it's not going to be two. Now, if she has the baby in the middle of the fight... Kick that baby, step on it, whatever. That's up to you. It's like a quick victory. Yeah, but you're gonna put, you're gonna gut punch there. I wouldn't even bother with my hand. The but don't you think that most men could beat up ninety five to ninety eight percent of the world's uh, women? Uh, Ted, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hi, Ron. You also got to take into consideration uh, most of the people in the world are Chinese, and all the Chinamen know uh, kung fu, don't they? But uh, know that that is your racism working against you. You're going to be fighting a ton of Chinamen and Indians. Mm-hmm. An exhausting amount of them. But any average size American male is going to now have a weight and height advantage like they've never had before. Don't get into your mind that every one of these guys is Bruce Lee any more than they look at us and think, well, every American fights like Clint Eastwood. And this is just like a one-on-one thing. Like, they're just dropping them in one at a time. Yeah, like, you're literally going in and having a fight. They're not coming at you from all different angles. It's obviously something that, you know, we don't, wouldn't have a lifetime to do it. So, more or less, this is a mathematical problem. Hicks, where do you put yourself now? What percentage of the, of the Earth could you be? I'd say 76, 77% of the world I, I can fucking take out. Three out of every four humans you On feel... The planet. Yeah. If you're in the military, every I'm not going to be able to beat you up. But as you said, the firm, the sick, children, women... Yeah. Here, here's going to be your problems. Military all over the world. Yeah. Trained fighters, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got just basic athletes all over the world. <laughs> and uh, cops all over the world. These are going to run into the highest pre- presentations. But let's suppose you played uh, college sports, you did a stint in the military, and you're a cop now. If you sat down and did our computer program, you may find yourself in the top 5-6% of people in the, country, in, the, in the world. And that would have to make you feel good about yourself. And the interesting thing, I think, is if we got this together, most people would feel pretty damn good about themselves at the end of the day. Even a person like, you know, uh, originally, uh, Zito looked at, oh, I could probably only beat up 7% of the world. Because that's how he feels in any bar that he walks into. Mm-hmm. But guess what? He's not going to be in a Brooklyn bar this time. He's yeah. going to be walking through war-torn Asia and be able to beat the ass out of some 
pregnant Cambodian uh, AIDS victims. I mean, Africa alone, you're taking out most of that continent. I mean, they're not doing that well over there. Yeah, I just looked them up. They actually have the highest fertility rate, which means there's the most young children there. You could clean up in Africa. Africa, the great thing about it is you're going to be dealing with a lot of disease. And, and let me tell you, these Africans, they don't fight like, you know, uh, American black guys. You'll never see an African with a with a great amount of style when they're boxing. You are going to get your ass beat plenty of times in Africa. Don't I'm not going to kid you there, but you are going to beat up a lot of children, and uh, uh, especially the children with extended babies. Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. Uh, Rich on the run fez show. To a Chinese restaurant right now, and I'm gonna beat one of these guys up. I'm gonna time him, and I got my wife with me. She's got a stopwatch. Yeah. I'm thinking I could do this guy in about 12 seconds, and I'll tell you why. If you throw something at their feet, their eyes can't look down. They have to kind of look over their cheeks and that flap of skin right there. You punch him right in that flat nose, you'll knock him right out. Um, eight six six runs zero fez. Eight six six runs zero fez. Uh, Alex in Philly, you're running fez. Hey, Ryan. Um, Anderson Silva, that's a guy, everybody complains he's cocky, but he can beat everybody in the world. He can beat up everybody. It is hard to believe that once you find yourself at the top of that, even if it's for a short period of time, you know that you could beat up everybody in the world. And that's why, to me, the 100 meters is the most amazing race of all time. Now, the latest Olympian uh, hero, Fez. Montana, you're in Fez. Tony. Yeah. I uh, I, I warn uh, I warn your listeners not to get too confident, though. I uh, I'm an ex college athlete. I'm an ex military man, and I'm a uh, current cop. And uh, for the first time in 42 years, uh, I got my ass handed to me about three weeks ago. I got jumped by a bunch of guys, and uh, my uh, braggadocio and my my background uh, got the better of me. I thought I could take these young punks and. Uh, Wound up with a couple of lumps on my head. How many of them was there? There were five of them. Oh. All right, now, the good thing for you here, Jerry, is when I line this up, you'll be fighting one, you'll fight them one at a time. That's one it. at a time, I can take 99%. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think just giving what you have there, I'm going to put you easily in the top one, uh, hundred, one percentile. Now, having said that, I think most American males are going to find themselves in the 70%. You're going to lose points on being overweight because you don't know how long this is going to go. You're going to be losing points on not uh, you know, doing any kind of exercise program because there is no training for this. You're just fucking going in and doing it. And, you know, uh, cardio is where most people lose. 
weak legs, not having the balance. Fez, I hate to tell you this, there is going to be points taken off for age mm-hmm. and um, health conditions. Your heart condition makes you a bad bet. Even though that we're looking at you, you'll have the physical characteristics to beat up a lot of these women. How do I know that you're not going to punch some pregnant woman from Uganda in the stomach and your heart explodes? I'm not fucking pushing in my money when I don't even know whether you can climb the steps right now. See, I think also when you're doing your own personal percentage, you have to, and you think, all right, children I can beat up, you have to stop and think, all right, at what age am I going to start having trouble? With some of them. You know, infants, you're covered. You get into 17, 18-year-olds. Well, I think it's going to come down before that. I think that there's some 14-year-olds in the planet that can whip your ass, and there's no way around it. Boom. We're going to lose some. There's some huge 14-year-olds. Yeah, we're going to lose some of those. Uh, You're 17, 18. Fez, you you can be a professional fucking fighter at 17. So your thing is way off. I'm not going to lie to you here. There's gonna be you're gonna lose to a couple eleven or twelve year old uh, guys in the same way that there's some women you, you can't beat up hundred percent of the women probably. What age? What age do you think it becomes easy again? Like there's an age where it starts to get harder, and then as they get old again, it probably becomes easier. I wouldn't get too cocky until you were looking past seventy. Okay. I think there's still plenty of guys out there that have kept up a healthy lifestyle in their sixties that could fucking drop you after seventy. Yeah, you're going to have a couple 70-year-old losses, but it shouldn't be many. Um, Justin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie, i got to tell you, it's the quicks that worry me. I'm your, I'm your typical big Irish guy. If it's a big guy, I'll trade blows all, all day long. But it's the quick guys, I think, that might get us American guys. I'm a little worried, Ronnie. Um, first of all, you can't bring fear to this. I tried to tell Fezzy before. You have to believe first before other people are going to believe. You can't say, you can't come in here with anything but tiger blood. Now, this is the other exciting thing. When I line this up, you're going to find yourselves fighting some celebrities. You're going to be able to go toe to toe with Ann Coulter. Who knows? You might even want to spend a little more time in that fucking area where you're not knocking her out quick, you're dicing her up, you're taunting her. I think the celebrities would be really easy because most of them are probably used to having bodyguards and such, and they wouldn't have that in this situation, so they've gone soft. You forget that fucking sports guys are, are fucking, you know. Like, I, like, when you're going back, what age? I don't think you could take Mike Dickin now. He's in his fucking late 60s. Mike Dickin would come in here and fucking clean house. I wouldn't want to fight any of the Baldwins. I'd be crazy. What? I think they'd be nuts. I get like Stephen Baldwin. I think I'll fucking could... throw Stephen Baldwin through that window. Well, I mean, you could be, probably take Stephen Baldwin, well, but, but I'm why looking at myself. Now, why am I the guy fucking doing this? You're straight out of Syracuse. You you should be saying to me, Ronnie B. If a Baldwin comes through that door, I got him. Okay. Other, other than uh, I say, Alex and Danny are fighters. Those other two, Billy and Steve, fuck that. You you don't get yourself a fucking Billy Baldwin win. I don't know whether you're even ready to go on for the run. I'm not even sending you to Europe. All right, before that, we were. I had a fucking... Oh, I know what I wanted to tell you. So Joe Frazier comes in to do uh, the Run Around show, and he had been fucking out of boxing for years. And old guy, you know, that whole thing. So we're getting our picture taken to him, and my partner, Ron Diaz, uh, six foot plus, maybe he was six two something, but big workout guy, used to work out a couple hours every day, really big guy. 
And when we're getting a picture taken, Frazier grabs us and headlocks and, and puts us down to his chest like that, and we weren't moving. <laughs> we weren't fucking moving. And he had to be like in his 60s at the time. And we were like laughing our asses off, going, but seriously, Joe, let go. So there are, you are going to lose some of those fucking older guy fights. There's no doubt about it. Well, 12% of the U.S. population is 65 plus. You have to assume most of them are like kind of inching towards decrepit well, no whatever, you so. you've, you're going to do very very well in that you should be in the 90s the high 90s on any 65 plus there's no doubt about it but you can't put every one of them in your back, I really, back pocket i really underestimated myself is what i'm finding and that's why i want to set up this website i'm going to make people feel better about themselves matt you're yeah hey guys yeah you know what i'm going to actually take my son over fezzy he's 11 He's uh, 5'10", 170. He's been wrestling for six years, and I've been taking him to the gym now, lifting for the past two months. So I'm going to pick an 11-year-old over Fezzy, hands down. Yeah, I don't have any problem with those kind of uh, things. and I, That's why I thought Fez was being crazy with his 17, 18. There are going to be plenty of losses out there. The kid's bigger than me. Embarrassing losses. There are going to be some losses that are going to... You're going to say to yourself, I don't even know if I want to go on to South America now after what happened to me in Norway. You're going to look at certain countries and go, oh, shit. Um, Steve, Stephen, run a face show. Hey, buddies. Uh, don't forget you got some countries like Israel where uh, you know it's mandatory to go into the military at 18. Israel's going to be a problem country, let's face it. Uh, and then places like Ireland where people are just, you know, raise the headbutt. I'm not going to lie to you here. This is going to be rough going. You're going to have 7 billion fights. And at least 3.5 billion of them are going to be, they could go either way. Well, I think you've got to be strategic. Like, I would probably start in hospitals. Like people who are already in hospitals, you're not going to get there. that choice. A number goes off, your number comes up, and you're going into the next fight. The next fight is yours. You, you, and you can't turn it down since you've got to fight everyone. If you got the flu that day, fuck you. You're fighting. Oh. You're All not right? going to be able to pad your stats by going through some of the malaria countries. Yeah. Uh, Barry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, how you doing? I ran into Jerry Cooney last week on a golf course. I still hate to fight him. Uh, Jerry Cooney is in here all the time, and uh, he does one of the sports shows, and he's a very sweet guy. He's the sweetest guy I ever saw in my life, and Jerry Cooney would knock your shit out. I don't care who oh, you are. He would knock and your shit out. Your way down. Um, here's Tim. Tim, you're on run a Fez. Hey, I think I got a ringer for this one. Yeah. Uh, my brother, 7'1", 285, Division One basketball player, 26 years old. I'm thinking top 2 or 3%. Um, now, you're hoping, but it's one thing to be a b-ball player, but has he been in a lot of fights? Because a lot of big guys haven't fought a lot. Well, you know what it is? He's center, so he's banging down low. I know, but that's not the same as a street fight. And you can't always go by size. Billy Martin was small as shit. He was Zito size. But that fucking guy would hit you, and it was coming from his heels. I mean, he could hit like a Mack truck. He hated people when he hit them. Those kind of guys are going to surprise you. I mean, you're going to run into some flyweights around the world who are going to fuck you up. Now, even if you're feeling good about your 70-75%, that still means now you're going to have close to 2 billion losses. Two billion fucking times where you just get your shit stomped. Then let's take over another billion or so 
you're going to get the win, but at night it's going to feel like you lost. Like you're just going, I can't fucking believe how bad that hurts. It's going to take so much time. When someone says to you, oh, you want him so, remember when you were a kid, like, you would beat his ass, and you're like, yeah, but you're like, your fucking head is throbbing and your balls hurt. You're like, why am I doing any of this? Um, Eddie, you're on Run Fez. Hey, I wanted to ask uh, Fezzy if he thinks he could take Clint Eastwood, speaking of celebrities. I don't think I could take Clint Eastwood. No. He would be in my off percentage. Clint Black? Clint Black? I don't think I could take Clint Black. Uh, it's this I don't think thing, where you won't make that leap into the definitive world that I need you to be. Can you take him, or are you backing down? Don't let yourself get caught in the gray area, Fezzy. I'm it's- not sure if the... Clint Howard? No. All right, I'm go- I don't think Fez can beat up a Clint. I could take Clint Eastwood. I wouldn't want to go near a Clint. Let me say, no. Clint he's, well, he's 80 years old. Also, he falls into my, my actor used to protection category. No fucking way. You know nothing about the history of Hollywood. You never see Clint Eastwood go walking around like fucking Michael Jackson in your life. Clint Eastwood has, walks in the front door and back out the front. Now, I'd take Clint Eastwood in a fight over you. Oh. I don't want to offend you. That's okay. Um, here's Sean. Sean, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron, my dad's 73 and built just like Clint Eastwood, and he would destroy Zito or Fez. Yeah, I, you know, it's one thing. Zito has never been in a fight before in his life. Most people who have done some fighting are less cocky than the people who haven't. Um, Fez is 1-0. He beat up a retarded. Well, I guess you're 1-1. One one. You lost to the that... Um, that gay gang that attacked you with a team pole, uh, but you did beat up a retarded girl. By the way, you're gonna you're gonna lose more retarded fights than you think. Don't ever walk into a retarded oh, they have fight. That strength. They got superhuman strength. Yeah. Um, let's go over to Jason. Jason, you're on the I think you guys are counting out the Midwest area. I got a 16 year old daughter that's a farm girl. She's five ten and two bills, and her and three friends could take out your whole building without even breaking a sweat. How about that, Marla Hooch? (laughs) (laughs) Polish and German, Norwegian, you know, all these big farm people. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's going to be, like, a lot of Russian girls that you're going to run into a thing. I still think the average American male can find themselves easily beating 9 out of 10 women. Uh, Because I had a guy on my show years ago, Billy the Phone Freak. And I did a gimmick. I said he can beat up any woman. And they used to, we used to set up the ring. They would come at him. And he could not fight a thin guy, tall, and won every single fight. No woman could beat him. No woman ever could go in there and beat him. Now, saying that, he didn't fight any kind of actual boxers. I didn't have him up against the coal miner's daughter. But still, normally, uh, you look at these guys... A guy can beat a woman. Um, Mikey boy, you're on a fez. Hey guys, seems like Zito is a little too overconfident with the over sixty-five. My my dad is sixty-eight. He's six-two, former military, still in really good shape. I think he can kick Zito's ass. You know, Mikey boy, this is not the week to be calling in bragging about our dads, mm-hmm. how tough our dads are. Sorry about that. Or that we have them. <laughs> Sorry, Mikey boy, I'll have a dad, so I'll text you later. All right, see you. All right. We're doing the Sirius XM father and son thing, too. When's that coming up? Friday. Oh, man. Well, I won't be there for that. Why not? 
I don't have a dad anymore. Since when? Since uh, February 24th. You do have a dad. He gives you money from heaven. Just five so far. More than he gave you when he was alive. More than he gave you when you were alive. Um, Paul, you're on manifest. Yeah, guys. Uh, you know, where's your break-even point with some of this stuff? Because you're going to have a lot of lopsided fights, but <clears throat> you get to where you have, you know, the 65-year-old gardener versus, you know, an 8-year-old boy or a, you know, a 35-year-old gay guy in good shape versus softball player. There's going to be some tight ones you get to promote here. Well, there's going to be plenty of them. And then just every once in a while, just think we're going to have two fighters against each other. That'll just be so dramatic to the rest of the world. And this could be the thing that maybe stops war. If I get this off the ground the way I'm trying to, and I hope to. But what would be really interesting is seeing how many people find themselves in the bottom 1%, that they end up getting beat up by over four... <laughs> like six million, million yeah, times. like six, seven billion times they're getting their ass beat. And like they're literally going, you're going to have people killing themselves. Like, I'd rather kill myself than fight that fucking Russian guy. Does that victory get attributed to anyone, though? Um, Austin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, I'm down here in Mississippi, and I tell you, you, you get down here to the deep south, and you run up on some of these... Big black one we got down here. It's like a bull in a china shop. You're gonna be in. For, you're gonna be in for one long afternoon, my friend. No, I'll, I'm gonna give you that, and that's why I'm. I'm. There are women that are going to kick ass. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But walk. Is there any woman in this building now that you, in SiriusXM you th- you'd be afraid to fight? You no. Know? No. I mean, Fez, is there any woman that you say, all right, give me a guy rather than me fight that woman? Um, no. No. You just don't run into it. Yeah. It just doesn't happen that way. And it's annoying being my size, because my whole life, girls have been like, I could beat you up. And it's like, no, you couldn't. Like, I'm not going to prove this theory. Like, I'm not going to, like, hit you in the face. But, I've, like, that's been said to me a bunch of times, because I'm, like, you know, a slender guy. And it's one of the more annoying uh, comments. Then, you've, then you've got to be able to fucking just throw it down once. Get it on fucking tape and then show them. <laughs> Go look what I did to this fucking bitch. Um, Kevin, you're running first. There's a uh, Brazilian female fighter by the name of Cyborg who you would definitely pick fights with a lot of men before you fought her. Trust me. Google her. All right, let's take a look at Cyborg. Chris Cyborg Evangelista. And it is... It looks like the chick that, uh, you know, beat up... Uh, Million dollar baby. Take a look at her. Oh, we're looking at her. Yeah, she looks like a tough chick. There's no doubt about it. Oh, she she would ruin me. Don't say that, Zito. Don't fucking say that until you've had a chance. You know what? Do me a favor. Have a hundred million fights before you even sit down and start to judge yourself. Just have the first hundred million, and then we'll sit down. We'll go over some tape and see what worked and what didn't. But I think you can improve. Should I like go out in the hall and just maybe like throw down right now or wait no. a little bit? Okay. I want to do this the right way. I want everybody in the world to fucking sign off on it. We're going to do it. I know a lot of people are going to like, I'll fight, but does my baby have to? Yes, your fucking newborn baby has to fight. That's part of the fun. Now, here's the weird thing. There are plenty of guys. And I, I stood next to him before at a spa, and that was Sugar Ray Leonard. And Sugar Ray Leonard is probably Zito's size. 
probably Zito's weight. Wow. And he had such a pretty boy face that, let's suppose you were in a fender bender and you didn't know he was Sugar Ray, you'd jump out of the fucking car and go after this guy, and he would destroy you. I mean, he would literally knock the stuffing out of you. So there's plenty of guys out there that you don't think are tough, and they are. Um, JT, you're on Renna Fez. Ronnie, I was going to ask about 400-pound sloppy fat guys. How are they going to fare? Some will do well, some won't. They can take a lot of punishment, so they might tire the other person out. But I don't know if they can if they have the stamina to go on long term. That's the problem. You, it's one thing about bar fights. Most people don't realize this. Most bar fights are probably over in eight to twelve seconds, because once a regular person gets punched in the face by another adult, it's more or less done. That's why they always say, "Hit that fucker in the face. Look on where, you know, you're you're taking one to the fucking bridge of the nose, mm-hmm. and then you're probably only going to have to take one kick to the fucking skull while you're down." Then I want you to crawl into a fucking ball and stay that way. But here's the problem. If you hit that guy like that and he comes back up, you're probably fucked. Because <laughs> you've hit him with everything you have and he's fucking back in your face. You probably think to yourself, all right, now I need to wrap this fucker up, let them bust up the fight, and I'll get in the car and get the fuck out of here. Well, that's making me think now I might want to take my number down lower again because there have been times I've, I've hit my friends they've been like you're kidding around right and I've had to be like oh yeah 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 yeah." but it was like pretty hard you you punched them as hard as you could oh, and like, like I thought I was punching kind of as hard as I could and then they were like let really? me just say you throw a punch throw a punch at nothing because you've never been in a punch in, in a fight in your life yeah have you ever thrown a baseball in your life yes yeah, I can throw a baseball let's see your baseball throw okay. did you play yeah for yeah. a little bit alright now, it's interesting, you can see where your power comes out of that, how you use your your ass and your lower back and your th- and your legs. It's the same thing with throwing a punch. Mm, forget it. I'm trying. Then I'm we're sorry. taking you down to 7%. Okay. I might even drop you to 8. Uh, here's our good friend, the blowhard. Blowhard. I think Zito's underestimating women, and I can tell you right now, in that serious building... I can think of women who could kick the shit out of him and a lot of guys. And Name one. You, okay. I don't know anybody personally, but there's got to be a chick there who's from the projects. Those women, <laughs> you don't mess with them. Any woman from the ghetto, fuck it. And maybe you get some dyke. I know a lot of lesbians who can destroy men easily. And then Zito said Africa would be a way to pad his stats and get his numbers up. I hate to tell you, but some of those tribal women, they can chase down a giraffe and kill it with their fucking bare hands. It's just not true. <laughs> it's not true. No one can kill. No one can kill a fucking giraffe with their bare hands. I'm saying these women in Africa, they're desperate. I'm people. telling you, there's no woman in Africa who's ever chased down a fucking giraffe and killed it with her bare hands. Giraffe again, you, mom. Those tribes, Ronnie, they. They fight for survival every day. Maybe a Somalian he can take. All right, what, what are we doing for numbers? We're taking Zito in Africa. I say put him down in Africa. Oh God! And then you got to deal with the Watusis, the real tall ones, who are like seven feet tall. Maybe two percent. You're acting like there's a, a tribe of people seven percent feet tall. It's not true. Some of them are tall, but not all of them. But I'm saying the Watusis. Believe me, 
you know what? When you're desperate and you're physically uh, amped up like some of those women are, don't forget they're climbing the trees, they're building their huts. These people are tough. They're not like waking up in the morning. I might need to set up a fucking ring down here and uh, and just see how Zito does here. I'm going to run him against twenty people, Digstown style. Also, a single kick of an adult giraffe can shatter a lion's skull or break its spine. So. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of National Geographic. You're a fucking crazy. I was in a car, neck. and one of those walking zoos, and a giraffe came over to the car and started to fuck around with it, and the children were terrified <laughs> because it was like having a monster fuck I, with us. I've seen its the neck was I've as wide as a, as a man's waist. How would you kill it? You'd have to like strangle it, but it's too tall. I'm telling you, throw- you're not getting anything around that. And it's not even thin to the top. The base of the neck that's around where we are is like a fucking thirty-six inches. I don't think you could kill it with a gun. Like if I, you had like one no, shot. Really, I, I think, think could. that well, from what I've seen in footage, I've seen caribou go down. I've seen African women take down caribou. B- one woman <laughs> beating up a caribou. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> When you're hungry, you got to do what you got to do. I fucking watched it. If this show was on African women versus wild animals, I'd never turn it off, Blowhard. I'll find it, and I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link, but I'll find it. Send me the goddamn woman. link. I'll, fi- I'll find, find some t- wacky tribal chick who's going to just go out and just... She'd probably even challenge a lion if she had to. All right. She's, I'd like to see one of them beating up a fucking wildebeest. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, right, Blowhard. Buddy. All right. I want to see this. I can't find any video no, of, of an African woman not. killing a caribou. Do you know how viral that fucking thing would be? A woman running down a fucking giraffe and killing it with her hands? <laughs> then what am I... I'd go look at Elton John's new fucking video? Never. I'd be on that constantly. The amount of elements involved alone. Catching the giraffe. Shimmying up the neck. Grabbing those two antlers that look like antennas. Why do you guys think the best way to go against a giraffe is its strongest fucking part, the neck? Well, if you I'm could, staying away from the neck. If you could break the neck in half, it'd be all fucked up. It'd be like dra- dragging its head along the ground, and then it would be head level, and you could kick it. I'm telling you, that's like saying if I could break a telephone pole in half. You're going to fucking need to take its legs out from underneath them, because that's going to be a long drop. Okay, but after now, the look, legs, neck. If I started doing the... What percentage of animals could you beat up? I'm not overly fucking confident about this. I'm pretty scared of a lot of animals. So I'm going to say, What like, are you fucking afraid of? I just teeth and biting. and they're, they're crazy. You can't reason with an animal for the most part. At least if you're fighting a human, maybe at some point you'd be like, look, we're going to fucking kill each other. We shouldn't do what this. What were you scared of the other day? You were scared of guns or something? Yeah, I don't like guns, and I don't like certain animals. I don't like a lot of animals, actually. Would you be able to go sit in Anthony's house when he's fucking oh, strapped? Fuck that. No. I've watched those live from the compound videos. I'd be terrified the whole time. So you're literally terrified around guns. Yeah, I'm just afraid like like it's going to accidentally go off or like like I've never even shot a gun and I've wanted to, but I'm afraid like it would backfire and shoot me in the head. And that would be bad for me. Where did your confidence come from when you're so fucking scared of regular guy things? I don't know. I don't know. Um I don't know a lot of like I don't know, but th- there are things, like, like, I've had fears that I've grown out of. Like, I used to be really afraid of elevators. I'm not anymore. So maybe, like, in time, the gun thing will come around. Could you get on an elevator with a gun? Am I holding the gun, or is, like, somebody pointing a gun at me? Pointing a gun at your fucking head. Well, I wouldn't. I really gun. wouldn't. I'm hitting all the fucking <laughs> things, and I'm drunk. I don't, would you be able to do it? No, I wouldn't like that. When were you scared of elevators? Uh, probably was, like, 10 or 11. It just happened one day. It was weird. For, like, three years. And then I was fine. You started taking the steps and shit? Yeah, like, like, I, like I would, my mom would like bring me to the mall or something. I'd have to take an escalator or something. I'd freak out. I wonder if anyone's ever afraid of escalators. 
They get, like, I'm sure whatever you have, there's a fear. There's some people like, oh, I could never turn on a radio. You know what I mean? Like, well, however weird it gets, maybe that's what we need to get into when we uh, get back here. What's the weirdest fear either you have or had a friend who had? Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Back in just a couple moments, it's the Run Fez Show. Sirius 197 XM 202. The virus. The Ron and Fez Show. I grab a doll. And I poke him. And I, I kick the shit out of him. And I, and I, all day long, I put up a dog's ass. Bang, bang, bang up his ass. That's my pleasure. Yeah, it's the Ron and Fez show. I played this song because it's Texas Bigger Fear, a bad dog. I'm talking about strange fears that you can have. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Miles, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hi, yeah. Um, I'm actually afraid of the sky sometimes. Like when the sky is, there's no clouds in it and it's just blue. When I look up, it feels like my feet are just going to like lose gravity, and then I'm just going to float straight up into the sky and just float away sometimes. It's been a fear since I was a little kid, 
hasn't really affected me in my life, but it's it's still there sometimes. I get really jittery and like well, scared when I go outside. It's that kind of great emptiness that kind of weirds you out. And it's like what's weird is when you're in an airplane looking down at the ocean, it's almost the same exact view. Well, um, when I'm on a plane, I've actually flown a lot. I actually don't feel that when I when I fly or when I look at the night sky. Like when there's stars out there, it's it just. I just feel way better about it. But when I look at the blue sky, there's something about, I guess it's the openness about it, just yeah. feeling that if I if I just lost gravity, I would just go forever, and there would be nothing that's stopping me. All right, you know thanks. I mean? The Weird Fears, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. The weirdness, the strangeness of it all. Uh, let's go to uh, Scott. Scott, you're on run fez Hey, Ronnie. I, uh... I got a friend. She's afraid of domed buildings or anything that's like dome shaped. So much to the point where, like, there's a water treatment plant around where she goes home. She'll drive out of the way to get around it. She just, uh, she doesn't know why. It just makes her a real upset. She'll even start crying if she sees, like, silos and stuff. It's really strange. Um, maybe. I don't again. I could see if you were afraid inside, but I don't know why. You know, because like I guess to a kid's way, hey, how does this circle stay up? What's keeping it up there? But I don't know why seeing it from a uh, from a distance. Not horror. It's weird. We're going weird here. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Here's Jason. Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Uh, I know this is a completely irrational fear, but I'm scared to death of anyone touching my belly button. I don't have a problem with it myself, but no one can touch. It completely freaks me out. I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to come undone. I'm being serious. Now, you maybe because it seems like it's an opening to you, like a wound? Uh, that, that's definitely uh, the case. All right. That's weird. Uh, let's move over to Joe. Joe, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, guys. I have a fear that every time I change a light bulb, like the old school light bulb, it's going to explode in my eyes. I won't even look at it. I'll just listen for the squeak and take it in or take it out. It's terrifying. Did somebody tell you something like that when you were a kid, though? No, but I have thought about it. I think it goes back to the original Longest Yard, the part where the light bulb explodes. I remember that. Yeah, that scared the shit out of me when I was a little kid. My brothers were watching. I think that's where it comes from. Now, you know that that was like a, an exploding light bulb, though. I do, but I was probably about four when I saw it, and it, I think that's where it comes from, because every time in my life, a light bulb, I turn my head, I won't, go, I won't put my eyes near it. I'm terrified. I know it's irrational, and I thought about it a lot. I think that's where it comes from, that movie. All right, thanks. Here's Chad. Chad, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, the wind turbines that they're building all over Iowa scare the hell out of me. No, I, I know that that is kind of a weird look that they have. What about it frightens you, though? The, the idea that they put them so close together, and then at night they all flash in sync uh, with the red lights, and you can see the blades go by the light. It, it just is it's like an army of machines that could you know, come to life any second or something. You're probably just saying into the future when they turn on us. Um Let's go over to Dan in Virginia. We're going over weird fears. Hey, Ronnie. Um, buddy of mine, big, burly, strong guy. He, uh, his biggest fear is chicken sandwiches. If you're in the same room with him and you're eating a chicken sandwich, he starts dry heaving, has to get out, and totally gets freaked out about it. Now, did something happen to him in the past? 
he uh, he can't explain it. We've gone over it numerous times, and we've even tried to uh, you know go and trick him by uh, you know having something uh, some chicken breast, and then all of a sudden slapping a few pieces of chicken or, or uh, bread around it, and he just he starts freaking out and has to leave. So, see, here's the weird thing for me when it comes to the pig uh, bypass chicken and go to the pig. Love pork chops, like bacon, like ribs, everything with uh, chicken. But that ham, that boiled ham, to me, is like biting into human flesh. I just can't stand the texture of ham. Now, if you fried it, I'm perfect with it. But the human flesh-like thing, and I think people who enjoy ham could easily sit down and enjoy a human. That's Here's my favorite bre- meal. Is it? A big boiled ham. And here I am not liking it. Isn't that weird? It's bizarre. Uh, here's uh, Brad. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Um, my biggest fear has always been about my car tires driving off my car. Every morning I wake up with a lug nut uh, or lug wrench and I'll crank down a couple times on a few of the lug nuts to make sure. I've always been nervous about it for whatever reason, and, and even more weird about it, is it, it, as I get older in life, I have to do it more now. Um, now, did you ever see anything like that happen? Yeah, uh, about five years ago, um, I was driving over the road, and um, I saw a car on the 80 turnpike coming out of, outside of Cleveland lose two of its front tires, nosedive into a, a ditch, and eject the guy from the front of the car. So it just kind of freaked me out ever since then. I've just been kind of OCD on it. And before that, you were fine. You never had a problem. Never had a problem. All right. Um, That's a weird one. I like it, but when you think about it, what is keeping all this stuff together on your cars? It's odd. Mike, you're on What's up, Ronnie? My eight-year-old daughter, she's scared of plastic straw wrappers, like they come on a juice box. And only those ones specifically. Now, did anything ever happen to her before? Where did she pick this up from? No, nobody has any idea. In in fact, we think or we thought for a while that she was just making it up to have something to be a pain in the ass with. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, if there's one sitting out on a table, she'll come running in from the kitchen, ah, and you have to go take the straw wrapper and throw it away. How old is she? She's eight. Yeah, you're going to bring this up to her the rest of her life and... And have fun teasing. Uh, here's Mike. You're running Fez. Hey, boys. BAC 1018. Uh, thank you. My rational fear, puppets. I'm afraid. To, every time I'm around, I'm afraid they're going to come alive and start choking me like they did that kid in the, in the poltergeist. So, before poltergeist, did it ever bother you? I was kind of a little kid before I seen the movie, so I really don't remember. Say, so it could have been from something like that. Now... Some people say there's an irrational fear that we will have a ventriloquist dummies. No. That's a rational fear. A ventriloquist dummy is everything about evil. Do you like them, Fez? Hate them. And yet here we are, same side of this. Ham, we couldn't be more different. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Abel. Black Label. Hey, uh, Ron. Um, large clusters of small things. Uh, if they're inanimate objects, like a bowl of cereal, it'll, ske- it'll skeeve me out. But if it's living, it'll terrify uh, the shit out of me. So what you need to do is look at a bunch of maggots together, crawling around. 
Um, let's go over to uh, Chumley. You're on my face. Yeah, uh, Ronnie, I'm terrified of the tap water in my own house, but I can drink it next door or up the street. Now, what is it about that? I don't know. I have to take glasses out of the cabinet and dry them with, uh, only with paper towels. I'm, I'm absolutely terrified of tap water, but we live in a fairly new house, so I'm just, uh, I'm just insane. This never happened to you before with tap water? Uh, it's been this way about uh, 10, 12 years. It just all of a sudden happened, and I'm absolutely terrified of it. Now, have you ever talked to a shrink about it? Uh, just my wife. <laughs> and what'd she say to you? She she knows that I'm insane. She'll actually uh, 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 challenge me to drink uh, the tap water in our own house. What you ought to do is see if you can't do like a taste test and guess guess which one is tap water. Oh, I can I no, I can smell it. I can I can feel it. I can't I can't get anywhere near it. All right, I'd love to I'd love to have a little time with him. I think I could break him with this. Uh, Drew, you're on running fest. Hey, Ronnie, uh, my friend's afraid of peanut butter. Uh, choking on it? <laughs> no, it's creamy, chunky, whatever. The smell, uh, she never ate it, but the smell, the, her worst one is uh, wet peanut butter, like in the uh, sink. So she'll just uh, go to put something away, and like somebody dropped a, uh, a knife in the sink, and there's like a little peanut butter runoff there, and she's freaked out by it. Exactly, she screams as if she was getting raped. What you ought to do is wait till she's asleep and put a little peanut butter on her lips, uh, and that'll uh, cure her. her. I fucked with her a bunch of times with that. All right, eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, let's go over to Anthony Tampa. You're on Fez. Yeah, Ronnie. I had a, a female friend who was afraid of pickles, any kind of pickle, uh, penis shaped. No, no, like even those like flat ones that would come on like burgers or anything like that, yeah. like it would cause her to scream out irrationally. I love the fact that the some that you can't find something in the world that somebody won't have a, phob- a phobia about it. Paul, Chicago, you're on a fez. Nathan, you're on the run of fez show. Nathan, we got you. Hey, uh, yeah, my uh, my wife's afraid of uh, biscuit cans. Uh, remember, remember that thing went around that they explode. Yeah, yeah. So, so to mess with her, I uh, chase around the house and slowly unzip it. And uh, yeah, she likes that. Yeah, it's fun for her. Uh, Sean, San Antonio. Hey, Ronnie. <coughs> my wife is afraid of toast. What is it about toast that scares her? Well, I mean, for the longest time I was married to her, I couldn't figure it out. And then I finally figured it out. She got it from her father. Her father was deathly afraid that if you left it in there too long, it would burn down the house. See, so a he lot... Would, whenever yeah. he would smell something burning, he would go berserk. It's something burning! There's something burning! And the whole house would have to, you know, go, hey, what's burning? No, it's just a toast. Just relax. So if I'm making toast at home, there's something burning! There's nothing burning, honey. Now, that, that's a really interesting thing. Because we all do that kind of shit where you know, you're going to burn down the house. You'll burn down the house like that. But you don't realize when you have a one-year-old or a two-year-old, they hear adults saying shit like this. And they're fucking believing it. And I remember one of my first memories. I was like a really little kid. My dad was driving. My mom was in the car. And my grandmother and my grandfather were in the back seat. And we were going through Atlantic City. And my 
grandfather and grandmother were, ri- were arguing about what directions. And my grandmother is yelling, if you listen to him, you're going to drive into the ocean. He'll drive us overboard. And my dad's just driving along. He's not paying attention. And they're fighting like hell about it, saying that he's going to get my dad so lost that we're going to drive on. And I remember thinking, this fucking car is going into the drink. Because you don't expect the adults, you don't get the whole thing that they're just blowing something out of proportion. You are taking this as actual fact. And I look back on that and I go, why is this one of my memories? And I must have been just scared shitless that the car was going to be upside down at night in the ocean. Um, let's go over here to uh, Tony Armanifest. Hey, Ron. Uh, for some reason, I'm afraid of wet paper. Just the texture of it? Yeah, like if I see it like on the sidewalk or something, you know, the newspaper got wet, I can't touch it. Textures are a very, very weird thing with us. I brought that up about the ham. Turns out ham is Fez's favorite meal. I bite into a ham, and it feels like I'm biting into a human thigh. It has the same... Now, try biting at the skin. It's a very ham-like texture. Now, there's nothing wrong with the flavor of ham. Uh, Boiled ham on a sandwich, love it. But that thick, flesh-like piece of ham... Makes me feel like I've been taken in by the zombies. Um, here's John. John, you're on a fence. Raw chicken, Ronnie. When somebody else is handling it, it freaks me out. I can't be around it. I can't see the blood. But if I'm cooking chicken, I'm totally fine. I can't figure this one out. Um, yeah, that's another one that we always hear about salmonella and all that, and and, and for good reason because you really do need to wash your hands after all, handling raw chicken in the in the kitchen. You certainly don't want to have that then end up you know eating a sandwich and having any of that stuff on your hands. If you watch a professional chef, they constantly go over their hands after uh, dealing with raw food. Um, but I've also. In the same way I'm about ham, I've had friends tell me, friends that are vegans, it will always happen eating chicken. They'll be eating chicken and see the bones and make the connection that this was a living thing and those are its bones. Now I come from a different school. Gnaw on that fucking bone. Gnaw on that bitch. And I don't know why that doesn't skeeve me. The ham, that is your favorite Absolute weirds me out. Completely weirds me out. Think of it as only the texture of human flesh. Fezzi, I want you to get in on this. You're hanging back a little bit. Let's have you handle Billy here. All right. Billy, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, um, I'm with you on the texture thing. Hominy, I cannot eat hominy. I will throw up instantaneously. Yeah, it's well. It's because it's too many tiny particles in it. It's like it's, it's like someone put sand in a gravy. I think it's delicious. I go just well, the opposite, I, but I do eat gravy sand and sandy I, gravy, so I don't have that big of a problem with it. Uh, Chris, you're on Ryan Fez. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, I don't like garden gnomes. What is it about them that frightens you? There. Well. I, I don't know, part of it is, like, I can't fucking stop looking at them because mm. I'm convinced that if I look away, they're going to get up to some 
evil shenanigans. Well, that is the thing about a garden gnome. They're actually based on real-life mythology, that per- people would believe in that. I mean, we were doing the thing today with Fez seeing signs, and is that just him kind of taking a cop out? But even if you do that knock on wood, that came from there were evil spirits in the trees. And you'll find out that a lot of these things that we have is because the ancient peoples used to believe in them. That guy I must mean, be having a lot of trouble with that Nomeo and Juliet m- movie. He is, because that's a big hit now, right? Um, I'm not sure how it did. Let's be sure. I think it made more money than uh, Titanic, and it made more money than Titanic 2, Titanic on another planet with blue people. Uh, Ted, you're on running first. Ted. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Uh, I had a fear of running out of gas in a car. Now... Have you ever run out of gas before? I have as an adult, but as a child, I was scared shitless about running out of gas. So whenever my parents were driving and they would get down to a quarter of a tank, I would say, well, we got to get gas, we got to get gas. I think I was afraid of getting stranded somewhere. Uh, the, it can happen, and when you really do think about it, you are somewhat stranded when that car... And it is strange that we'll just go off into these places. If anything happens to that car, we're kind of stuck there for a while. And when you're a little kid, that scares you. But I have a sister who I don't think has ever had less than three quarters of a tank of gas. And if she comes home from anywhere and she hasn't got uh, stopped for gas, she will be talking about, I'm going to get some gas. You know what? I got to get some gas. And I'll go... Dude, I know I'm going to go out and turn on that car that's three quarters. I just, uh, I need, I, I don't have any gas in there. She just thinks the worst thing that could happen is running out of gas. Um, here's Justin, you're on a fuzz. Hey, yeah, I got, uh, hair freaks me out. If I see hair that ain't on a brush or a bundle of hair, oh my God, it's, I get freaked out. I don't know what it is. It's very strange because do you know how much hair every person loses per day it just comes dropping out of us and we love women with long hair but take one of those hairs that you know you would have your mouth on it you're just crazy about it but then just take one of it and lay it across the top of your sandwich and you're acting like i have to throw this into the fucking trash it's the disconnectment from the human skull that scares us because we don't believe that it's human hair we just think it's something that grows on its own um greg you're on running fez Greg, we got you, buddy? Let's go over here to Sam, Jersey. You're on running fuzz. Hey, yeah, I don't know where this fear comes from, but whenever I go to, like, a public urinal, like, for the first five or ten seconds that I'm, I'm starting to take a leak, I feel like I need to look over my shoulder like someone's going to run up and shove me into the wall, like, crack my head against the tile. Um, you know, when I was a kid and I would be going out, like, to concerts and stuff, my mom used to say to me, don't go in the bathroom. All kinds of stuff. She used to think that you could get stabbed in the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. She had a fucking weird thing about it. And then there would always be some rumor going around that gangs would go by and slice cocks. But I could not, for the life of me, ever find any actual truth that some fucking homoerotic gang was slicing into people's penises while they pissed. 
Chat, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, guys. When I was younger, I was absolutely terrified of the Ku Klux Klan. Not of the terrible things they did, but just more of the outfit and them chanting and with the, you know, burning the crosses. I first saw it in some Danny Glover movie years ago. I think it was Danny Glover where they hung him in the farmhouse and it just scared the hell out of me. And I've been actually still kind of scared of him to this day. Well, the Ku Klux Klan, they, you know, their costume was made to be frightening. You know what I mean? Like, they went out of the way. And any time that you're hiding a face, it's scary, the weirdness of it. And I never yeah. was. And then the weird thing was the KKK took my baby away. And now I wish I would have had more fear. I wish I would have cared a little bit. I'm trying to start a new gang called the Puerto Rican KKK. And it's like the KKK, just like with more Puerto Ricans. Uh, Louis, Sherman Fez. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Um, I am actually um, not not as afraid of ele- um, escalators as I used to be, but um, I was very afraid of them. But as I got older, it got less and less, but I still get nervous when I'm on an escalator. You still get nervous on an escalator? Well, that other bit's well over, so we'll pull the music down on that. Um, here's the thing, Lewis. Uh when we're kids, they fucking constantly tell us, you're going to get your hands caught in an elevator. You're going to get your toes caught in an elevator. Now, I never listened to them. But I bet you were the type of person that the first time you heard that, you thought of it as a true possibility. And it does happen, one out of every, you know, couple of hundred times. But they scared the shit out of kids with that. Um, let's go over to uh, Josh for Lauderdale. You're on a Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, what do you got? Uh, well, I'm 18 years old now, but when I was little, my mother used to tell me that someone was going to hurt me in the bathroom, and now I can't piss in the stall, no matter what. If I'm alone in the bathroom or anything, I always have to I have to go in the stall. I can't use the urinal. Um, because somebody's going to come by and hurt you. Right. Someone's um, going to molest me or kill me or something. I don't know. She didn't, she didn't say molest. She just said hurt me. I remember one time I had to be like four or five and we're down at the fucking beach and I went in to use the bathroom right off the little boardwalk there and uh, there was some fucking kids and they were all laughing they were like teenage boys and they kept flushing and I went over and they said look look at this and I went over and they were flushing a fucking frog down the toilet and it was fighting to save its way out and that fucking weirded me out so much. And I left, and I went back, and I'm like, just standing. I was like a little fucking kid. And my parents said to me, hey, what's wrong? Because I must have looked fucking scared or whatever. And you know what I said to them? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. I don't know what the fuck. I could not tell my parents I saw this. Just seeing it made me feel somewhat responsible, like... Oh, I could have done, and I don't, this fucking frog would have been dead by now. And of course, these kids would have been two to three times older than me. I don't know why. I always had a guilt fucking feeling about that. Um, let's go over here to uh, Ben. Ben, you're in Hey, buddies. Uh, lemon seeds in the bottom of my water. I am convinced that's how I'm going to die. They're going to shoot right up the straw, and that's it. That's it for me. So you honestly think that you could die from a lemon seed through a straw? It's weird because I'm like the most normal guy in the world, but seeds floating in the bottom, I'm convinced they're going right up the straw, and that, that's it. Let me bring Pepper Hicks in here. I want to get Pepper in. 
involved with the show, get a little feedback back and forth. Pepper Hicks, of course, has a strange way of looking at the world. Pepper, do you ever have any of these kind of weird phobias, weird things? Yeah, I have a couple fucking things. First of all, touchscreens. Rubbing my fingernail, my, my, my fingertips against a touchscreen like an iPad, an iPhone, whatever. Even the uh, MetroCard machines. Fucking, I can't, excuse me the fuck out. Now, what is it about that? Other people have touched it before? Uh, no, because I'm not a fucking super cleanly guy. Just the feeling of my fucking fingerprint against so, glass. Again, it's like what I said with ham. It's texture. Because I don't know what it is. A, a texture, you can't get around it as if it was a bad taste. Uh, give me another one. Okay. If, since I was a little kid, this is very strange, I felt... Like there was something like a force against my back, and that I would be paralyzed somewhere down the road, almost as if I, in a past life, which I don't believe in, as it's like just an irrational fear that I will be paralyzed. Either it happened to me in past life, which I don't believe in, which I just said, or that it's going to come towards me. It's fucking it's since I was a child. A lifelong fear for me has been being paralyzed, and uh, I don't know where I picked it up at. Me neither. Uh, the diving bell movie, the was the butterfly in the diving bell yeah was such a difficult movie for me now on the other hand as a kid i saw three different people break their necks Aye. all diving i saw a fucking guy go off this thing as a little kid straight i don't know what the fuck he must have thought it was deep water he dove into like two feet of fucking water straight down his neck snaps. They pull him up on the beach. Christ. I saw another guy get pulled out of the fucking beach. Father of all these children. He broke his fucking neck diving. Oh. And then I thought to myself, he was paralyzed and underwater. Oh, no, man. So that fucking... Then I saw a kid fucking fall out of a tree and get paralyzed. And go into the water, into a reservoir, and they couldn't find his body. And Hicks, this one, uh, I'm tripping for. What? I was fucking tripping. We were out at the fucking reservoir. And I, I saw this fucking happen. How do you come back from that in the brain? I mean, what the fuck? Dude, guess what? I still had like another nine fucking hours. Oh. And we're sitting at this party. And I can't help thinking about this other fucking guy bobbing on the bottom of the fucking thing. I'm drinking whiskey trying to get the fucking yeah. sights and screams of his fucking friends out of my fucking head. His friends were freaking the fuck out. That would have melted a lesser man's brain. Maybe it did melt. Maybe it fucking did. I know one thing. I tried to eat some ham that night, and I fucking swear I heard it squeal. Yeah, I've the the thought of being paralyzed has always been the fucking worst for me. Um, Brian, you're in my What's up, guys? How you doing? Yeah. What's happening? Uh, not too much, man. When I was a kid, my biggest fear, and it would. Every time my mom would sit me and my sister in front of the TV for Mr. Rogers, every time he would send that damn train into Imagination Land or whatever he called it, those damn puppets, their mouths never moved, and I will have nightmares for days about that thing. I don't know why they think kids should like puppets so much, because it is a strange fucking thing for kids. All right, Hicks, I'm going to give you one. If you had a choice between these two fears, okay, and these two fears alone... Would it be afraid to be in crowds or afraid to be alone? One of those fears you're stuck with. Forever. Forever and ever. 
I'm going to go, I'll take I'm afraid to be alone. Because I feel like I'd always be able to find someone to be around. Or, be, or at least being in New York, I can walk out into the middle of the street and be or surrounded by people. But to be alone would be fucking freaked out. Fez Watley, I'm going to drag you back into the show here. Mm-hmm. And be careful what you wish for, because that fear will stay with you forever. Oh. It's the fear of being in crowds or the fear of being alone? The fear of being in crowds would be the worst one. So you'd never want to be able to walk down the streets of New York anymore. You wouldn't want to be able to get on a subway, walk into a movie theater, a concert. Um, no, I would. I would choose the fear of being alone for myself. It's the if it's the worst one. It's the fear of crowds. It's much worse than the fear of being alone. Okay, so you went in the opposite direction. You went back and chose the one that you didn't want. Now here's the problem with the, the other ones. You are now in your apartment. What do you do if you can't be there? Even if you've got a significant other, do you really want to force that person to be with you 24 hours a day? Can you imagine the hideousness of that? Oh, no. Like, where are you going? Oh, store, I'm coming with you. Coming with? I can pick some. I got a shop, too. I guarantee you, you wouldn't be able to keep a relationship. I guarantee you, like, no matter how much someone loves you, they'd have to say, I need to get away from you. Step off. I like that. Step off. No, you step off. See, neither one of them is very fucking comfortable. No, you'd be real. I mean, you would be really limited in what you could do with the fear of crowds. No, you. Movies, grocery stores, any of it. No. Yeah, all that stuff, and that's, I think, was agoraphobia is really kind of a fear of of clouds. And do you watch Shameless Fez on TV? No, I don't. That woman cannot leave her house. And she is hysterical. We have never given her the, the fucking due that she's deserved in her career. Ever since Pretty in Pink, the small scene that she's had here, and I am just going to say to the world, thank you, Joan. Thank you for all that you do. Um... Here's Brooke. Brooke, you're in What's up, guys? Hey. My fear uh, being of being alone out of the two, for sure. Up, up, living in upstate New York out in the middle of nowhere gets a little scary at night. So you are afraid of being alone? Correct. Now, what is your biggest fear about being alone? Somebody's going to get you? Yes. Oh, I totally have a whole scenario worked out in my head. Oh, tell, I, I would love to hear it. Tell me the whole scenario. Okay, so the scenario is I'm in my house, it's dark out, out in the middle of nowhere, and there's just guys out in the woods just watching me. And, you know, they wait for me to go to bed, and then I go to bed, and then they break into my house. And then what? Um, I don't know. I think I probably just died of a heart attack because I never got past that. I mean, my, my my fear is so bad. Like, when my husband would go out of town, I'd take stuff to block off my doors. I'd sleep with a bed. I'd bring all the kitchen knives into my room. Actually, a, a canoe paddle once I took into the room because I was paranoid. Why don't you get yourself a gun? You live in the country. Uh, that's true. Get, get strapped. Go sleep in the night with a shotgun. The country is a very weird place, because I've been out in the country before, and you'd be driving down a dirt road, right? And you haven't seen anybody in a while. 
and there's another car coming from the other direction, and they're in a dirt road, and they'll stop, so you stop, and they'll go like this. Can I help you? And you're like, what do you mean, can you help me? This isn't your fucking road. You don't own this fucking property here. What is your thing about seeing another fucking human being that now you feel the need to fucking act like, what are we all doing here? I mean, they act like they go out in the country to be free, but they don't want people running around out in the country. Oh, hell no. They don't like the idea of other people. Like, what are you doing? Just driving through, I mean. You stopped here? You pulled off the road? Yeah, motherfucker. I pulled off the road. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Craig, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, being alone, Ron, and I'll tell you why. I've been, been locked up before, like, as a kid and even as an adult, and... You get thrown into, like, solitary confinement, and after about a week, you really start to feel like you're going insane. And I'm a pretty talkative person, so not having someone to talk to or interact with you, it's the whole being alone thing, and it's just for out of, you know, sanity reasons why. It's very funny. People have never been to jail and have a fear. They always think, well, I'd rather be in solitary confinement because I want to be fucking safe. But people who've had to do it, Say, even though people want to kill me out there, put me in the general population. I'd rather be sitting around with the people with knives who want to kill me than stuck in a room by myself. Because like 23 hours a day, right? I mean, there's no contact with fucking anyone. Yeah, but even when they let you out, they're letting you out in like this little box in the middle of a box, right? So you're not like even like walking around the yard. They've just found this like little patio space that you kind of walk around back and forth with. And it's got to just feel awful. And I always think about that. Like, suppose they give you the hour. At, like, 55 minutes, you got to be, like, freaking, like, I can't go back in there for 23 more hours. It's got to feel like you're being relocked up all the time. Even the thought of a fucking jail cell door shutting, it fucking skeeves me. The shitty sound. It ain't a good sound. No, that's when reality fucking and sets in. And you have never in the in the history of the world ever heard of a quiet penitentiary. They're all as loud as fuck. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, Phil, Boston, you're in Fez. Uh, I, I have a fear of being alone because isn't three a crowd? Um, I guess it is. I don't know where uh, where people decide this is the crowd that I have a crowd phobia of. I don't know how many people it has to be. Uh, Hicks, I've ignored you all day. i got to take a break here, but is there something you want to talk about? Well, the new Cash for Celebrity Rehab has come out, if you're interested in that. I don't know. I always am. And <laughs> There's some surprise ones. I didn't see a few of these people coming. It's so interesting to see Dr. Drew on TV constantly now, and he's always either talking about Lindsay Lohan or he is talking about Charlie Sheen. But I saw him on one of the shows the other day, and Lindsay Lohan said, look, I really want to fucking get straight, and I'm tired of this shit, I want to get straight. And they go, Dr. Drew, what do you think? And he goes like this, I am so, I know it, I see it. And I'm like, how do you know you are not there? (laughs) And yet he pretty much feels like he can look at a picture and figure out what's wrong with that person. He's like John Edwards, he's just just a fucking carny, what the fuck? (laughs) All right, we are going to take a break here. When we get back, it's the cast of Celebrity Rehab. By the way, I've said to myself, I'm not watching the Trump uh, show this year. 
coming in today, everyone I talked to. Did you see Trump? Oh. Fucking Trump was crazy, huh? I can't believe the Trump show. And I'm like, I'm trying to fucking stay off of it. Good. Let's boycott. I just think it's the fakest thing in the history of the world. Well, it's a giant and, commercial fucking book ended by more commercials. And even the stuff that they've been showing with Meatloaf, it's fake that he's yelling. It's fake that guys are pushing each other. It's fake that guys are threatening each other. I think he does cry, though. I think I heard that. Meatloaf he's does. an actor also. Oh, yeah. Black Dog. So, it's a break. And we'll be right back. On a Fez show after the jump. Ronnie B, Fezzy W. Ronnie Fez, Series 197, XM202, the virus. This is a lot easier if you just lay back. He's resisting me. It's the Ron and Fez show. Um, by the way, I got email from Mike Wright. He's going in for cancer surgery tomorrow, and this is the show that he's going to listen to while he's on the table for three hours. I guess it's something that keeps you awake. So, uh, Mike, best of luck, and thanks so much for this email. Uh I wish I would have looked this over. I definitely would have been much funnier over the course of this show. Didn't realize that. Okay. Some of this stuff is a little weird and uncomfortable. I think Mike's going to really enjoy it. Because I just walked down the hall, got another $2. This is amazing. Yeah. It was in Laura's purse. So this is great. Uh, here's another email that we got. Um, first of all, uh, coming up at the end of this email is about a sandwich in a place called the Tattooed Moose in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a duck club sandwich. Sweet Hawaiian bread, duck, applewood smoked bacon, smoked cheddar, uh some kind of garlic, lettuce, tomato, red onion, and then like a garlicky mayo. <clears throat> All the fries are cooked in duck f- f- fat. I got to go to the tattooed moose now. Or because I want nothing more in my life than a than a duck club sandwich. I might have to go have a, a club sandwich after the show today and just pretend it's club. Uh, it's duck. Uh, this is what he says, and I'll let you uh, get on this, X, before we'll get into your story. Okay. Uh, it's phone for a girl very hard. Young gentleman, let's just call him William and leave it at that. <clears throat> Both in grad school, graduating in May. Had an attraction to each other since we met each other in grad school in fall of 09, but have never been more than friends. 
We have the same fucked up sense of humor. We love the same obscure movies. No less than three times have we figured out that we've watched the same movies over the weekend on our own. We're both in recovery from addiction and depression. Incredible chemistry between us. We both acknowledge it. I never had the guts to speak up and tell her how I felt until this past weekend. Where she admitted to a strong connection in chemistry, she said the timing wasn't right. In two months, she's moving back to Texas. And I'm moving to uh, D.C. But I'm willing to move anywhere in the world. There's nothing I want more than to spend time with her. Parts of me wants to know if I'm just heading for a heartbreak, if I try to push it with this girl, but the rest of me doesn't care. I want to know whether I should continue or not. Hicks, should he continue? Without a doubt, continue. If it's reciprocal with this bra and you think you have a chance with her, you have to go for it. Even if it's for two months, you have to go for it. Says Watley. Continue. Chase, chase that girl. He's willing to go anywhere. Um, Texas is anywhere. Here's what always gets to me about guys. You guys are not paying attention. She's got two months here that they could try and see if this works out. And she says, no, I don't want to date you. We have good chemistry. I don't want to date you. That means she's not attracted to him. And if he goes to Texas, he's a fucking lunatic stalker. Dude, whatever you feel with this girl, you feel it. She doesn't. Can you imagine saying to someone, I'd like to date you, but I only have two months here. Two months is a long fucking time. It's 60 dates. You're looking at about 140 sex fucking uh, sessions if if you're both into it. This guy made it sound like it was reciprocal, that she actually wanted a little bit of it. She likes, but yeah. then said, he asked her out and says, I like you. Hey, we're only here for another two months. No. That's crazy. She's not saying, at the end of two months, then she could say, I can't believe we're not together. And she gets to say, why don't you come to Texas or I'll go to New York. No. This girl doesn't want him. And it isn't not even close, or she'd be open to it. I mean, if she was open to it, if they were staying at the same fucking resort for a week, she'd give it a, th- a try. See, I, th- I saw it as she was trying to avoid hurt herself by not pursuing it. Where do you see that? When when everything was reciprocal between them, you well, know, with the chemistry and stuff, and then I thought, all right. Chemistry she- means friendship. There's certainly no sexual chemistry or no romantic chemistry because they haven't even tried it. And everyone has done that thing where you meet a girl and you guys are like friends at work, and then you go to kiss and it feels like you're kissing your sister or worse, even your own brother. There is not really a uh, any sense at all that this girl is more than friends with him. More than friends. The fact that you like the same movie. Sometimes here's the thing that's fucking weird. The person that you have the best chemistry with is the person that you don't like any of the same things. You know what I mean? Country mouse and city mouse, a Republican and a Democrat. Then you get in the fucking bed and it's fireworks. And I'll tell you something. Between great 
sexual chemistry and watching the same movies, pick sexual chemistry every time. Um, here's uh, Joel. Joel, you're on Fez. Hello. What do you got? Uh, I got a story of uh, I met a girl two months before she was going to Florida. And we started hanging out. We fell in love. And it came time for her to go to Florida. I had to talk her into going because I didn't want to be selfish and have her stay here for me. Worst mistake I ever did. What, what part of Florida did she ever go? You know what? I, I never, never knew, Ron. I never asked that. What were you, teenagers? No, I was 24. How long ago did this happen? This happened eight years ago. See, here's what I think also happens. And I know it's going to feel like a fucking punch in the stomach. A lot of guys do that thing where they go, I should have been with this girl and it didn't work out 10 years ago because that gives them an excuse not to try anymore. Now, if you really dig a chick, you certainly aren't worried about fucking what's going to happen in 60 days. And where was this guy in 09 when he could have been fucking picking her up? Yeah, that was a huge fuck up. Let me tell you something. Even if he was afraid to make the move in two years, if she was interested, she would have made the move. This guy, and William, I'm not saying like you are like this to every girl, but to this girl, you're unfuckable. And that's the worst thing, well, second worst thing, that could ever be said about a man. You, my friend, are unfuckable. Uh, Will, you're on the Fez. Hey, buddies. Well, welcome back, Fez. And, and while I was on hold, I found a $50 bill. I just thought I'd let you know that. Good news, Fez. It's all happening. He's everywhere. Um, I just uh, I moved out of a little home, you know, small town in North Carolina, and I'd, you know, not saying much, but uh, and then uh, swore I'd never go back. And I've been in Charlotte, which, you know, for me is a fairly large town, like going on. Uh, reconnected. <laughs> <laughs> reconnected with an uh, old uh, high school uh, friend of mine uh, a few months ago, um, and now I'm looking to do whatever I can do to get back there, because uh, there's nothing here better than being on um, on her little horse farm. I'd rather do that than anything else in the world. So, it, you know, it's I think you know when you know, and you're willing to do whatever you got to do to... Now, how long has it been since high school? Um, we're probably looking at last time, you know, before we reconnected, I hadn't even seen her since 1988. So in all this time, right, have you ever ran into somebody else that you care about? Um, yeah, sure. And what, you know, I'm only curious about this because this Facebook phenomenon is hitting most of the people that I know. And I'm trying and I will not, I can't tell you. I don't have all the information, and I'm not going to knee-jerk you, ladies and gentlemen. That's not why you have me here doing experiments all day. I'm going to wait until it all comes in. I don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Part of me thinks, hey, you couldn't make it in the real world, and you're going back to your first love when you were a little kid. I don't know whether it's good or bad. I mean, there are people who are leaving children, leaving wives, 
to go back with her high school girlfriend. And I'm not saying I, I haven't read this as an article. I'm telling you, it's everyone I talk to. And so many people are going, dude, you got to get on Facebook. So-and-so is doing And I'm like, I really don't want any fucking part of this. I moved down to my town a long time ago. I wish everybody well. But if I really wanted to keep up the fucking, you know, the date with it, I'd be living in Boothwin. I'd be on fucking Chichester Avenue right now. So it's very weird for me to say this. But I will tell you this. It is happening. And happening never before. Now, is it a good thing? I guess if those people get happy. You know, then it's midnight train to Georgia. You know, like, hey, I went out, I took a look at things, and I found out that happiness was in my own backyard. I guess that's not midnight train to Georgia. Uh, basically, now we're Dorothy somewhere over the rainbow. But I cannot tell you how many times people have said, my ex called me. My ex of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and we're really hitting it off. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't fucking know. That seems weird to me. And this fucking computer is involved in every aspect. Every business is being changed by it. Like they said, we've thought this was going to happen in 89. No. But it did fucking happen. And these people are heading back to their high school girlfriends. And it seems to me to be, in the, in the purest sense, retarded. You know, you really are going back to where you were in high school in your head. But these people seem to be making it happy. Carlos, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, what's going on, man? This 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 whole topic is hitting like a nerve with me. So I just broke up with this chick, hot Dominican chick, smoking. Uh, the sex was good, you know, but, uh, you know, she always told me even from the get-go, you're not my type, and you got a kid, you know, you got these things going on. I'm, I'm part of this whole, pro, you know, this unemployment shit. I've been out of work for a while now. You know, but, you know, it was good. You know, we watched good movies together. She was smart, broad. She, you know, Like I said, she was hot. She was smart. And uh, she decided, you know, to give me this whole break shit, you know. So she said, okay, let's take a break because, you know, we've been spending a lot of time together. I said, hey, cool, no problem. So we got back together. So she does this shit two times to me. Finally, I was like, hey, it, you got to make a choice. I mean, you know, can't leave me like hanging. I'm a 40-year-old guy. I want to get my life going. And uh, you're still, you know, bullshitting. And, uh, you know, I need I need some answers. And then she said, well, well then it's over. But let's still be friends. I'm like, friends? I, I don't, I'm not friends with chicks, you know. If I'm fucked you, I'm not going to be, like, hanging around idly by, you know, while you're going around your business fucking other dudes and shit, inviting me to parties and stuff like that. I don't know. Did I take it, you know, the wrong way? Or should I, you know, I should have, you know, been a little bit more civil about the whole thing. But I kind of hate this bitch right now. Well, you gave her an ultimatum and she took it. If you don't want people to take the ultimatum, you can't give it out there. You know what I mean? You can't say to somebody, you want vanilla or chocolate. And then they say, I want vanilla. And they're going to be able to, seriously, vanilla? I don't have any. You give a choice, then you put the power back in her hand. You could have just, I don't know what's wrong with some guys who are like, hey, I got to have all or nothing. 
And then when the olives, like, now I got nothing. Why couldn't you say, let's go out sometimes? Because we get fucking crazy. Hex, you think you can stay friends after the breakup? Right after, no. But I think eventually uh, I could be friends again, yeah. Sure works for Jerry and Elaine. Oh, yeah. Those two were great together. What do you think, Fez? Um, no, I think it would, I think it would hurt too bad. I, I, even 10 years down the road, I think it would still hurt too bad to start looking up people on Facebook. No, going back to what we were saying, can you, two people be dating, break up and stay buddies? Oh, um, I guess it's possible. I couldn't do it. I think it's very, very rare. I don't know if it's as rare as we think, just because we don't do it. There's some people, they're like, I've seen couples that used to date the other person. And they're fucking totally cool with it. And it really is just a matter of what you decide to give it. I mean, whatever you give it, that's what it is at that point. It's, if, do you want this to be a big thing or do you want it to be a small thing? It's all be adults here. Do you think that's being an adult? It depends on the breakup, what happened. I mean, depending on how fucking rough it is. See, that is the thing. Is one of the problems, I think, with men and women is like, I don't know if we really like them that much. We just want to possess them. You know? You got to... Sometimes we need to look at ourselves. All right, Hicks. Read me off the new celebrity rehab. And you said there's some shockers in here, huh? I was surprised by a couple of them, yeah. All right, let's get the bums out of the way first. Uh, Jeremy Jackson, some guy from Baywatch. Love him. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, Michaela uh, Salahi, who was... She was on um, like Housewives of D.C. I'm over too. I don't know either. Yeah. I hear the fucking good ones. Amy Fisher is coming. Don't know her. What? Amy Fisher. Steven Adler's coming back. <laughs> fucking GNR. He's not just an addict. He's retarded. <laughs> he can't get better. Michael Lohan, Lindsay Lohan's father, is fucking jumping in on this show. His addiction, anger. He's not even going in there and quitting liquor. Yeah, they haven't even uh, announced what these people are addicted to while they're going in. Yeah, I saw his. His was in the paper. It was for anger. Bai Ling, who was on the show. Bai Ling. I didn't see that one coming at all. She's addicted to anything. Uh, Bai Ling, is ad- his addiction is uh, being paid attention to. Oh. And then finally, from the this current cast, Doc Gooden's going in, finally, to rehab. Well, you happy, Keith Hernandez? Yeah, really. Who would have thought all those years ago this would happen? Uh, Dan, you're on Ron Fez. Hey, Ron. Yeah. Uh, I felt bad about being on Chichester Avenue, and you just made it worse. You made me realize that, yeah, it sucks. Well, wait, are you in the booth one part or the limo part? Well, I was in the booth win part. Now I'm almost in Chester, which is even more depressing. Yeah, you need to turn that shit around. I gotta go through the hook to stop at some some local white trash bars. All right, my friend, take care. Marcus Hook, PA. Big ups. Big ups. Don't love your way. Oh, Eric, you're running fast. 
Yeah, going back to what you were saying about breaking up and staying friends, the only girl I've ever been in love with, we went out for almost three years. We've been broken up for about three years. She's my best friend who I trust with, with more than I would trust my own parents with. Oh. You're well, best... that's a little excessive, but uh, you know what I mean. You're best friends with her, right? Yeah. What's it like when she dates other dudes now? She, you know what? We broke up, and three weeks later, she started dating her boss, and she's been going out with him ever since we broke up three years ago. And, uh, yeah. So it drives, um, it drives you crazy? I mean, it's the only thing that has popped up from time to time is I'm like, you know, was something going on there between them? Not, like, fucking, but were they flirting or something while she and I were together? But to be honest... But when we broke up, I kind of decided that, you know, I have love for her, and I'm just going to make my, the love that I have kind of be platonic or be a different kind. But if she, can, sa- if she said, I want to date again, boom, you're right back in? No. Now, to be honest, at this point, we've grown. We're such different people now that, like, now I, need, so I would need something else anyway. Um, all right. It's very interesting. It does... It, it kind of does happen, but it's weird that if it's your best friend and your lover, why should you guys lose your best friends? You know? Uh, Arsenal Barcelona on the Fox Soccer Channel today. Do we even have that, Hicks? On, these, on this cable package, we have no. I want you to talk to Rob Cross. I know he's a soccer fan, and say to him, why aren't we just completely surrounded by this? It's international. It's there for us. FSN, motherfucker. But you don't have to call him names. I mean, he's... Uh... Oh, no, I was just saying FSN in general. Yeah, okay, great. but the motherfucker is what got to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's uh, Travis, Idaho. You're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fez. Um, late-breaking news. Tiki Barber has filed paperwork to come out of retirement. Tiki Barber is the barber in the harbor. Uh, we laughed at him years ago for walking out when he wasn't... Ready? Uh, he flopped, of course, on the Today Show, and he now he the ring too? now as he's coming back out of retirement, there's not going to be a season. No one is dumber than Tiki Barber. Brand, you're uh, oh, let's go to Brian. You're on fest. Brand. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Uh, to get back to the whole relationship thing, um, you know, I dated a girl for six years, and we had kids together, and we were tied in really tight. And then broke up. And over like a two-year period, it hurt like hell. I, I, I mean, we fought back and forth over kids and over bullshit. But once we got past that and realized, hey, we can be friends. It, you're right, Ron. It is all in your head. You have to make it like this is the way life is. It's, it's, it literally is. It's not an outside thing. It's all internal. It's all what you fucking give to it. It's just like there are some cultures that they can't do it if the woman's ever kissed anyone before. She's fucking ruined and has brought shame to the village. Well, obviously, we think that's crazy, but that's. But then we buy whatever our own village thing is like it matters. Um. Hicks, I can see you and your chick still being friends after you broke up. Well, hopefully that never happens. But no, but I'm saying if she starts dating some guy in Williamsburg, don't, I don't think she would do that. 
She has disdain for those people. You better be ready to make an honest woman out of her. I don't know about that either. Where do you see this thing going? I don't know. I don't like to make plans or think about the future. or I just like to be in the moment. Does she ever bring it up? She knows better. She'll get fucking smashed in the hook. Um, Here's Teddy, Pittsburgh. You're on the fence. Hey, Ronnie B. What's happening, brother? Yeah. I just wanted to say with this whole thing, I mean, I, I have a chick that I dated for a year and a half. And she actually cheated on me. Uh, but, uh, you know, when two people love each other and stay with each other for a long period of time, I mean, you're with that person for a long time. How do you just break up and, like, never talk again? That doesn't even make sense to me. I, I think it should be the norm the other way around. I'm going to pull Fez Watley into this. Fez, what is that about? I would think that hearing that person's voice, seeing their face would be really hard to do. Like, it would bring back, you know, really sad memories. especially if, memories. Let's suppose that you guys were friends for eight years. What is the downside of keeping that friendship going? I think that it keeps uh, it would try it would be keeping the hurt going as well. Like you're not moving past it, you're keeping that person around. But what is the hurt part? The hurt part is you're not together the way you wanted to be. But but maybe you both came to that thing that this part of us doesn't work. The other part of us works. Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe for Facebook, we should fucking be in contact with every fucking woman we've ever been before so that they can remind us what assholes we were to them in the past. And then we could finally learn and move on. Maybe Hicks could find out from time and time again to hear. You realize I know you stole money out of my wallet. Well, I was broke. Deal with it, lady. Now you just called him lady. I need that jug of wine. No, not baby anymore. If I need you, I'll just use your simple name. Only kisses on the cheek for now on. And a little while, I'll only have to wave. Who does that song first? I have no idea. That's your thing that you got to find out then. Because that fucking song seems like it was written for you. Written for you and you know who. Um, Tom, run a fest. Yeah, buddy. The guy that says he finds out his girl's date and his boss three weeks. I mean, does he realize he's so he gay? How do you often get upset about this? The guy's cheating on his girl, and he's like, well, that's all right, we're friends. No, she fucked you over, and she was dishonored, and she screwed you. How can you be friends with anybody like that? If you weren't dating and being cheated on, I can understand that. But I get all that, but how does that make him gay? I'm saying, he's not upset about it. Well, that's cool, whatever. She's taking her boss. Maybe he doesn't realize that he doesn't like women. Mm. All right, good point. Frank, you're on Fez. Ron, I'm glad you brought up the Dr. Drew thing, and I'm dying to get your thoughts on this because I see the guy as nothing but a low-rent carny. He parades these people out on TV, and he may deal with the addiction problems they have, but at the same time, he's not addressing their real addiction, which many times is fame itself. And by having him on the show, I don't, think that helps it probably hurts the issue he reminds me of the carney that that parades all the freaks out and then excuses it by saying well at least we're making money you know i've only watched the show a few times but the guy that's on there with him the former addict um have you ever seen that guy yes sir i don't know what his name is but he's fucking amazing 
and he is so the real fucking thing that I think if nothing more than that, Drew brought that guy on. And uh, I've always wanted to, the chance to sit down and talk to Drew about it anyway. Uh, I've never done that. But I'd love to get him in an interview sometime. Uh, because I, 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 am, I have mixed feelings on it. I, I definitely don't think that you can just watch fucking TV and start saying what people should be able to do. Uh, and the show itself, it does manipulate. It's a fucking television show. It's a reality show. Uh, but the guy on that show with him, and do you know his name, Hicks? Is the guy with the hat? Yeah. Bob Forrest? He's amazing, dude. Yeah, watch. Let me tell you. If I was fucking a junkie, a fucking practicing junkie, I'd want that guy. Seriously, he's phenomenal. All right, that's it for the Ron and Fez show today. Tomorrow, uh, we're back in here. Go to 202 Friends on Twitter.com. You got a chance there to vote for our buddy Sleeves. He's up for best uh, play, favorite play in the Spotlight Awards. You can follow the link there and vote for well, Sleeves. Let people know what the name of his play was, too. Yeah, it's Whisper, Pray, Make Room. All right, good uh, point. I'm glad you brought that up today, Fuzzy. Uh, I want everybody to go over to 202 Friends and vote for the amazing Sleeves. And he is. He's absolutely amazing. Take a second to vote for him today. That's all a second it takes. And that's up on 202 Friends. Get on Twitter, people. And do me a favor, retweet that with throughout and let people that still are on the message boards check it out. Because he is phenomenal and he deserves some love. Did he send us a uh, song? I didn't receive one from Sleeves. Somebody told me that there's a new Ron and Fez phone song on. Have we ever played that? Oh, yes, we played that. Yes, the phone song, yes. How long ago? It was like maybe two weeks ago we've been playing it. All right, the tomorrow I wanna, uh, I wanted to do it today where we're playing Sleeves songs and plug this thing, not just at the end of the show. Kimasabi, jump on it. Okay. You're Kimasabi? Um... Man, I guess I thought I was for a second. You can be. I'll be Tonto. Uh, get on that tomorrow. Uh, that's the edge of my show.
This has been the Ron and Fez Show.